Zero four zero Alpha, confirm that's bombs dropping on Mazdrak. Fucking hell! Alright. Right, so just like we just said, this fucking technical difficulties happened at the start of every one of these podcasts. I told everyone at the start <laughs> I would fix it. I tried to fix it and we fucked it up <laughs> again. So the next time we'll fix it. But let me first off start by saying thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast and just uh, describing to everyone listening how I know you, or don't really know you, but how I came to came about uh, finding you. So on the last podcast, I was talking to Wellesie, and uh, Wellesie mentioned uh, the thing you were doing with Storytime. Uh, we'll come on to that later on, but um, when I was editing the video and stuff like that, I asked for your permission to, you know... Um, tag you in the video and tag you on Instagram and stuff like that and you came back saying straight away you had no problem happy with that we had a little quick back and forth and you said look if you're ever looking for someone to come on um you'd be happy to so here we are uh, a couple of days later um I actually had a guy coming on who was uh, someone I didn't know again but he kind of pulled out like the same day that he said he was going to come on so so it fit in perfect that you got on there so we'll first off, yeah. start by if you if you don't mind just giving the the viewers or listeners a quick brief in, introduction into who you are, uh, where you're from, how old you are, and uh, what what you're up to. Um, my name's Christopher Labuse. I'm a staff sergeant in the United States Army. I'm an infantryman, and I'm 31 years old. Awesome! And uh, I heard your lovely wife there help, helping you out earlier on. Married, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and you, so you're still serving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still serving, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 11 years. Makes 12, 12 years in August. 12 years in August. So you joined when you straight out of high school? Yep. Yeah. Whereabouts are you living? Uh, right now I'm in Indiana. Right, okay. Um, so I've, my wife's American and we're actually, well, she's from Cincinnati. So we're about... Oh. Was that two hours away? Yeah, it's like two and a half, three hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of got deported, sort of thing. So I'm going through a little bit of an immigration issue at the minute, but um, I never really got deported. I just came to get my visa. I never got accepted. So um, that's a whole, a whole, uh, a whole other podcast. But um, yeah. So um, how how do you know how do you know Wellesie then? Because he was talking uh, briefly about you, but he said that. Um, you know, good character and stuff like that. Yeah, we uh we worked together that last deployment in Iraq when we were doing the uh the Sec Four mission. Uh, he was with uh the three Scots, and we were there when they showed up, and we did guard rotations and stuff together. Right. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> did you enjoy it out there uh, in in Iraq? Afghanistan was a lot better. It was it was a completely different world in, yeah. in Iraq, but. Just working with uh, the three Scots and like the two rifles is, was pretty cool. <laughs> right, um, maybe let's bring it back a little bit and just talk about um, you joined in the army. Like, what was your experience and uh, prior to the army? What what were you up to as a kid? Oh man, 
I was I was a terror as a kid. Um, just just growing up backwoods country kid, and just get started getting into trouble. And then after a couple run-ins, uh, it's like man, I got to do something. So I just I'm like, well, you know what? Don't have much in front of me. Don't want to go to school anymore. So join the army. Run-ins with the law. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty standard for most guys I know who, who are in infantry, they, you know, the exact same path of what, well, the exact same pre, pre-joining is what you, you just described there, getting in trouble, getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. Um, you know, people join for the whole host of different reasons. You get people who have got university degrees coming in and joining as a private soldier. You get people who have yeah. just come out of jail joining as a private soldier. So you've got yin and yang, but they all join at mm-hmm. the same place. Uh, where did you go about doing your training and stuff like that? Uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, is where I went through basic and OSET, which is like the the, uh, the one unit station training for uh, infantrymen. And then I was in, that's where I did pretty much all the infantry training. And then I got stationed in, it went Kansas, Germany, Louisiana, and then now I'm here. Jesus. In India. So you're based where you are you from Indiana? Or are you just based? No, no. I was born in Wisconsin. You're born where? In Wisconsin. All right, whereabouts? That's actually where I met my wife in Madison. Oh, yeah, like two hours west of Madison, this little town called Sparta. Yeah. (laughs) You're from Sparta. Yeah. Mate. This is the thing about the states. Like every state has got the exact same towns and cities. They're all named after the exact same thing. So when I first went to Ohio, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is where fucking Springfield is from uh, from The Simpsons. And then after being there for a little while, I noticed that every fucking state has got a town called Springfield. Every, oh yeah, man. every single state's got a town called fucking Athens. You know, mm-hmm. Sparta, all these fucking uh, Scottish names, Greek names, you know, the, the exact same towns and names in every single state. It's fucking Yeah. Hell. Well, Sparta's a good, t- a good town to be from, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're going to choose one. Um, yeah, so just talk about uh, basic training then. How, how did they work it over there? Because what we do here is we do like um, uh, a, a one, you know, so a one-time... Um, sort of training session where you don't you don't leave there and it's a six month period but it is technically split into two blocks so you do your first I can't remember what it is but it's about three months and then you do your second three months but they're at the same same camp is that the same as you yeah it's the same so it's the same for infantrymen like infantrymen they'll do all their all their training at one camp and then and then they just get let out into the royal army after that pretty much yeah yeah. Like all the, the MOSs and stuff, like they'll they'll do their basic their their basic training in one in one station, and then for their advanced like individual for their specific job, they'll go and do it at another base. That's pretty much the exact same as us. So like, if you're in a core, what we call them is like a support in arms. You'll go to one camp mm-hmm. and learn your uh, your your soldiering skills. You may as well be a fucking cadet. Um, that's the mm-hmm. stuff you get trained to. Uh, and then you go and wait and do your specific training at your, I don't know, like another another basic training depot, we call it. And then you, after you finish that, you'll put your unit. But uh, what were your expectations in, like, of basic training? Were you expecting 
what you received or was it completely different? It was it was pretty close to what I expected. Like my dad was in the army, so I guess it was pretty close to what I expected. It was nothing insane. Like of course it sucked while we were there, but now looking back, it's like that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's funny looking back because at the time you think like this is it can't, it can't get any worse than this, you know, eighteen year old kid. Yeah, this is the hardest I'll ever fucking do. And then you look back and you're like, that was literally the the biggest piece of piss I'll ever touch in my life. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right, so you finished basic training, and then uh, what? What's your first unit you head off to? Uh I was with the I was at First Infantry in uh, Fort Riley, Kansas. First Infantry. So I, I've heard about First Infantry fucking a whole heap, like, um, in movies and shit like that. Um, that's pretty much my whole U.S. Army knowledge is coming from fucking movies. <laughs> I have no other, um, I don't even know what the word is. I have no other experience yeah. other than just, you know, operating with guys on the ground. You don't really talk to them. You just fucking brush by them sort of thing and see how they're working. But, um, yeah. How is the First Infantry Division? Is it Division? Yeah. 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 It was it was pretty cool. Like Kansas was nice. I did uh one deployment out of there, like uh as soon as I got out of OSET or uh, as soon as I got done with basic and stuff like that, it was like I got to Kansas and then got to Kansas in March and then I was already in Afghanistan by July. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. What year was that? Two thousand nine. So we we done the exact same so I finished basic training in April and was in Afghanistan by June 5th. So we pretty much done mm-hmm. the exact same, exact same thing, exact same time period almost. You know, a month, give or oh, take. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, the first, yeah, back then, like, they were they were pushing pretty hard to go on deployments and stuff like that. And... Yeah. Did you volunteer to, to go to that unit knowing that they were deploying or was it kind of like fate just fell in front of you. Like. Just, yeah, I was just got bad luck, man. Like it's always like <laughs> go to a get there a little bit later, deploy, come back, leave, go to another unit, and it's just like a constant rotation. Yeah. It's just like the oh when you join the army, it's weird. Cause I'd met dudes that's been in the army just as long as me and they've only done like one or two deployments. So yeah. were you fucking pumped when you found out you were going? Oh, fuck no man. You taking the risk yeah, yeah, I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to, to Wellsy previously and I said, I, I didn't even fucking know Afghanistan was even a country until two months before I'm going there. And, I, and then I get in country and I'm like, where, where the fuck am I? Like, I didn't have yeah. a clue that it was even on the, on the planet. Never yeah, mind, I, there yeah. was a war going on there. Were you the same? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was pretty much the same thing, man. Like, I was just like, shit. All right. Um, yeah, Afghanistan. All right, it's supposed to be like a desert, right? You get there, it's, it's in the winter, there's snow, and it's like, man, this place just can't figure out what it wants to do. <laughs> you rock up in the you rock up in the winter and the summer though. So yeah, we well, we got we did back then. You did a year rotation, so we got there in July, and then we spent the whole year. So we hit all four seasons. Yeah. Um... Yeah, how's that fucking Afghan heat for for a boy from uh from Wisconsin? Man, like I remember, the, one of the biggest things I remember from that is like we got off the airplane and 
like as soon as you stepped off the airplane, like you just start pouring sweat. And I looked to my right when we we're walking off the airfield, and I'm like, oh, you big dummy, like you're behind the jet of the engine. That's why it's so hot. And then you get, I got jet of the engine, and it was still just as hot. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Probably even hotter. Um, yeah. yeah. You get off, and then you get you get in those like little shitty buses, and you get taken to your uh, the place where you're getting, you know, like your tents or your accommodation or whatever. It's a fucking crazy situation to like to walk into, especially as a young kid like that. Like I'd never experienced anything like that. Yeah, well, like so when we got into like the main part, like the first we flew into Bagram, and Bagram was just like a little city. It's just like, geez, man, this is what is this place like? They have like McDonald's and all this other stuff. Like, yeah. And then we were there for like maybe like two, and then like then they told us we're going to a different place, and that place like you could you could piss across it like it wasn't big at all so it was pretty crazy yeah <clears throat> um so obviously you bagram's uh the american base out in afghanistan i take it yeah, yeah. right okay because we've got uh kandahar's uh kandahar is where i was operating but it's actually a canadian base it's the air, the airfield there in kandahar um it used to be an international airport um, but I guess the Canadian, yeah. Canadians got the, the Kandahar sector or the Kandahar province to, to deal with. And so they took over the airport and then they took over, they made it into a big fucking military base. Um, but actually the British have got, uh, they had control of Helmand province and they had their own base there, which is uh, Camp Bastion. And they actually had an American attachment called Camp Leatherneck. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, yeah, so it's like there's like a bunch of places all all over, but like I'd never been to Bagram or anything like that. Um, it's it's pretty much um, majority just U.S. fucking forces up in Bagram. You don't really see many Brits up there, do you? Mm -mm, I think like because my camp in uh, my second deployment, we flew in and out of Kandahar, and yeah, it's Kandahar's a little bit was a little bit bigger than Bagram. Like it didn't have like the I don't think Bagram had like a boardwalk or anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was crazy. But uh. Yeah, it was, it was majority of Americans up in like in by Bagram and all over that place. I didn't see too many of them, too many in the other countries. I think if you're going to see anyone up there, it's going to be SF, and that's probably about it. Yeah, and they got their own little compound. Stuff. Yeah. What was your uh, What was your job role then when you when you were in Afghanistan? Like, where were you operating? Uh, the first time it was around like uh, Jabad, like Jalalabad or Fenty. Yeah, that was. That was the first one. So it was it was nothing too crazy. We worked as a RCP package, like a route clearance. All right. Yeah. So that was the first. That was the first deployment. Which is pretty much rocket. That must be fucking boring. For yeah, for the guys, man. Like they they would. It was just like like because you would you'd get yelled at if you did more than like fifteen miles an hour. <laughs> it's just going down the road. It's just like. <laughs> But yeah, I remember we done a. I remember we done a quick vehicle, uh, like convoy, on my second tour, and uh, I had like cans of juice and shit, and like we had like a little portable speaker, and we we're going down the highway, like the highway. I call it. It's a fucking the only tarmac road in, in Afghanistan, Highway One, and uh, someone came over the radio. And was like, "You got fucking music on in the background." I'm like, I'm like, like we're going about thirty mile an hour on a on a highway, like, and we're going to be on here for like four hours. I was like. Uh, got on the radio. I was like, no, no, no. There's that's that was something else. It was just a bit of an interference on the radio. 
But yeah, like when you're doing those fucking sh- sort of shit taskings, you need something to keep the morale of the troops up, you know, like sitting in uh, the back of the vehicles for hours and hours and hours. Just some of the stupidest conversations you would have back there, man. It was just like you, like just some of the stuff dudes would think of. Like the funniest thing is, I remember it came from my second deployment, and we were we were on high. It was actually on Highway One out towards Helmand Province. It was this like Polish base, and we had to set up security. And the Polish base was so small we couldn't pull into it, and so we just set up security on the outside. And then a V-bed ended up coming through and hitting the truck on the other side of the the 360 from us and so we get down inside the striker and i look to my left and there's this dude his name was pride more and he's chewing on some of that mre bread oh. and like he's staring at me with his mouth open and just like a crumb falls out and he's like well abuse did we just get hit and then my teacher's like i just I had to laugh man that's how stupid <laughs> this kid looked i was just like shit like what do you think man yeah no fucking shit yeah <laughs> Like that kid's face, and then on the drive back, the dude that because you know on the back of the striker there's the there's the two guys sitting in back with the with the with the, your GPMG pretty much. Yeah. And like the one dude next to me, like every time a car would come up and get ready to get like get close to us, he was just so scared, like his head would start dipping down. Oh my. And get, he was just scared of fucking another V bed coming in. Yeah, yeah. And were you doing that 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 role uh, pretty much? throughout that first year yeah that's that's yeah that's pretty much what we did uh the rcp was my first deployment and then my second deployment it was just like shit man just a little bit of everything yeah like actually we were on uh what was it masamgar you probably did you ever hear masamgar it was out by it, was, it wasn't too far away from kabul uh me honestly probably like, i probably heard of it but i cannot remember yeah like it was because that's where we see like a lot of other like that's when we kind of started touching base with like some of the poles and in other countries was because we actually took it over from the Canadians back in the day and then our unit came in to rip out the old unit. Awesome. What you got there? Mm-hmm. Uh just some whiskey, man. It's really good. It's called Horse Soldier. And oh, yeah. the, the dudes, you know that movie uh 12 Strong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the original dudes came out with this whiskey and they they named it Horse Soldier. And like it's really good, and then the bottle's pretty legit. Like the uh, the bottle, like the label, is a metal label, and it's infused with like the metal from the World Trade Centers and stuff. So it's pretty Jesus. legit. You don't get more patriotic than that shit. Mm-mm. No, that's <laughs> the job I have now. Like we we travel and we train. Like basically, what Wellesley's doing is like we just train other soldiers and shit, but we travel around the country, so we get to stop and pick up a bunch of different types of whiskeys and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. That's fucking awesome. Um, so that label on there is like, kind of like a dog tag, but you know, the same sort of thickness just wrapped around the bottle, or is it, is it kind of what? I got like the most American whiskey cabinet you'll ever see. <laughs> Dude. That is fucking yeah. legit. Yeah, see how that is? Like, it's all metal and stuff, so it's pretty uh, legit. That's fucking class. What, who's that in the background, that poster behind? Um, no, in the cabinet. That, in the cabinet. Oh, that's uh, from Tombstone. Uh, uh, Doc Holliday from Tombstone. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome, man. Hey, do you want to give a shout-out to your unit, then? Um, 
whatever unit you're at now or whatever unit you want to fucking shout out? Oh, man. Uh, definitely probably, like, Brian Meserve. He was my old platoon sergeant at uh, Fort Polk. That dude taught me everything I know and, like, how to be a leader and how to be, like, an NCO. Yeah. And then uh, two of my best friends, uh, Matthew Key and Austin Nichols. Those two, man, the, like us four, like actually, if you ask Wellesley about me and Matt, like thick as thieves, dude, like <laughs> there's one time before guard shift, like, you know, how like NCO is supposed to be like professional and hard asses. Like he was chasing me around because I, I said something stupid. He's a lot bigger than me. Yeah. And I, I don't know what I said, but I said something that pissed him off. And next thing you know, he's chasing me around and it was ridiculous. It's funny, like, because the first, the first sort of rank you get, I remember, like, when I, so, we obviously have a completely different rank structure, so we go Private Lance Corporal, Corporal Sergeant, Platoon Sergeant, mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, I really don't understand how your ranks translate, but so, like, the first rank that we get is uh, Lance Corporal. So, when you get Lance Corporal, you, you do a six-week uh, course to, to be able to be eligible for promotion. <clears throat> obviously, it's a mm -hmm. path of trail, but uh, I remember getting that uh, that rank and like the whole time on that course you're told right as soon as you get this this promotion you have to distance yourself from the private soldiers you have to start acting sensible and like as soon as I got it I was 19 years old I'm like distance myself start acting professional I'm still one of these fucking kids cutting around but man I tried so hard and like I made an effort to like try and distance myself and shit like that man, it doesn't fucking work the, the older you get the more the more you realise like you try and fucking input that fucking shit, it doesn't work. You just need to be you. You need to be natural. But, um, yeah, there's a yeah, bunch like, of guys that you fucking learn that shit off of. Mm -hmm. Basically, just plagiarizing off everyone else's fucking decent. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, you get those dudes that just try to be hard chargers and total asshole. Bro, get the fuck out of here with that, man. Like, so. Yeah, I quickly realized after about two or three months, uh, that that was not the way that you fucking get shit done. <laughs> you have to be a lot more humble. Um, so that, um, that first tour of Afghanistan, we'll probably we'll try and go through this in like a kind of chronological order, just so we're not jumping back and forth. But and we'll, we'll definitely have plenty of time to get to everything that you've been up to and shit like that. But that first tour then, uh, what was your specific job role? Uh, so I worked in the talk a majority of the time. Right. Just like, battle tracking and stuff like that as a private yeah i didn't like that deployment is like for me at least it was pretty slow because i didn't have any of the the training on any of like the route clearance packages on a couple missions but it was just to be a dismount the rest of it was just sitting in nothing crazy yeah oh man mm -hmm. Sorry, mate. Say that again. We, we fucking we lost a, a bit of signal there again. Oh, it was like, it was nothing crazy. Like, I just worked in the talk the whole time, pretty much. Went on a couple missions. But because I didn't have, I didn't know how to drive any of those big-ass vehicles, like dismounts. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you're fucking limited to what you can be thrown into. I was kind of lucky, but... Uh, I got thrown into a role where we were 
every op we were we were getting uh, a heli infill on exfil, so we never have to do any driving or route clearances or anything yeah. like that. We were just using CH forty sevens to land in a spot, jump out for three four days, and then get picked up later on. So I was yeah. like, I was fully fully into it sort of thing. Um, did you come back with a good chunk of change or um, no? Yeah, did it. The whole soldier thing, dude, like uh, married a woman before I deployed and got divorced during the deployment and didn't come back with shit. <laughs> yeah, lived the whole go. Did you're legit, yeah. you're, dude, you're a legit infantry soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get much bluer than that. <laughs> Man, the amount of fucking stories I've got of that. There was actually a guy when I was deployed the second time, he he got sent back home off of deployment because uh, he had a twisted ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then he came home. And then by the time we all came home, um, one of the guys found out that he'd been fucking his wife while he was on tour. No shit. Yeah. So the guy from the platoon, he got sent home, fucked this guy's wife while the guy was still on tour. And then... We all got home and we found out that that had been happening behind his back. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you don't get more fucking infantry shit, drama than that sort of shit. You're like, what the hell, man? But that shit happens a lot, man. Mm-hmm. Um, right then, so that first that first uh, deployment, did you stay with the same unit for your, your next deployment or did you move over? No. no, I got back from that deployment and then a year later, that's when I went to Germany. Yeah. A little bit after. Are you still with the same uh, infantry battalion then? No, man. We completely switch. Like, different people. Like, it's a complete, like, restart. Like, you uh, you stay at that unit for, like, three years. And then they just pick you up and throw you in another unit for three years. Just the only thing that stays the same is that you're an infantryman. Damn. That's a fucking shock to the system, man. Oh, yeah, man. How do you think that works? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Mm, it has it has a mixture like it's it's a mix of both because like you're like in our army when you get promoted from like private to like the first nc like an nco you're supposed to get moved to another company so that way like the joes you have that respect and and all that other stuff like you don't have any like conflicts of interest yeah we're kind so of that, you know but it just sucks getting picked up and moved away from like all the like the family and the friends you built the last three years yeah i mean for longevity <clears throat> i think longevity of your career may be a good thing but if you're for your operational effectiveness i'm not so sure that that's a good thing you know oh yeah oh like, like a lot you've got guys coming in and coming out it's kind of you know it's you're not getting a chance to build and bond and um unless you're getting a and you're only really going to get a, a, uh, a good pre-deployment and deployment if you've had those guys around you for that whole time. So I'm imagining that you get guys coming in and out all the time. Is that right? Uh, like we get like large influxes of people like twice a year. Right. But um, it's not like it, it does. It does kind of suck because you have to rebuild like all your, your SOPs and stuff like that. But yeah. the foundation's already so it's, it's 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 not too hard. It's just it gets taxing sometimes when you get those dumb Joes in, and it's like, Ugh. yeah, you know, you yeah. know what I mean. So. 
I mean, they're 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 in the units that like our unit. They're they're in the same unit. Like we don't transfer we don't transfer over like um, a whole bunch. Like you'll maybe transfer once in your career to a different battalion. <clears throat> but for the most part, guys stay in the same unit for their whole time. Um, but I think that's a positive. That's a massive positive because you get to build a career in the same unit, and everyone around you gets to understand if you're a good operator or if you're not. And if you're not, then you don't you don't succeed and if you are then you thrive and you you know a bunch of guys look up to you and then you're uh, you've got these sort of role models that guys can build their career off of so i think mm -hmm. that, that that's a benefit that we have um it's kind of interesting i didn't know that about the the, the u.s army you switch every three years yeah it's like every yeah it's not it's it's about every three years like because i've been to one two yeah four du four duty stations you know i go four different places I've been in almost 12 years, so about every three years, yeah. Ah, right. So the duty station is where the unit's based, but then the guys move around that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Because what we have over here is that our units used to move with the guys. So like every two years, our, guy, our guys and unit would move to like a oh. new location. The whole infantry, the whole army pretty much would do that. Um, and then we got a whole bunch of budget cuts and that stopped. So like we've now got one unit in one place and then the guys go to that unit and that's then pretty much there for their career unless they, like I said, swap it at a later stage. But how does that work for retention of, uh, of soldiers, you know, skilled NCOs, officers? Is that good for retention, do you think? Or is it kind of fuck everyone's plans up? Uh, it, for retention, well, like you get to see, you get to go a lot of cool places, you know what I mean? Like, Growing up, I never thought I was going to live in Germany for three years, you know? So, like, that, that's cool because, like, guys can, like, say they're going to – they can reenlist to stay in, and then they can um, request to go to, like, a certain place that they want to go. Yeah. So that, that helps. And then just different units have diff that different, um, uh, like, mentality that, like, appeal to certain dudes. So that helps. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Every unit, it's the same here. Like our, our infantry battalions have definitely got a character to them. Um, and, the, you know, you've got ebbs and flows of their reputation at that specific, like a, a certain time. You know, you know, when I first joined my battalion was like, I think it was pretty much at its peak. And then, it, you know, it's been taking a, a sort of downward spiral since then. Um, I got very lucky to, you know, ride the fucking the, the tail end of that peak. Um, but then there's another unit right now who's taken over that. I would say this is all personal opinion. But there's another unit now that's taken over that peak, and they're now the the, the forefront of the the Scots division. So it's like you know you got ebbs and flows. I'm sure it's the same with you as well. But um, did you have any sort of role speciality when you're when you're in? Um, what do you mean, like the last deployment or like the first deployment, or? Um, no, just in general, like um, like I was a recce soldier, so. I guess you call it like recon or whatever. Uh, but were you like mortars or a gun platoon or? Oh, no, we're so like all like so. The only difference we have in infantrymen is you have mortars and then you have riflemen, and then riflemen are supposed to know how to be like in the guns and like they they just get cross trained on all those different positions like drivers and, and shit like that. Right. So you don't have a specific like guns platoon or a recce platoon. We have we have we have them as squads. You know, we have a gun. Each each platoon will have like a, a gun squad or a weapon squad, as we call it. And then the battalion will have their their recon squad or the recon platoon. Yeah, 
that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, were you ever in any of those spe- uh, speciality platoons sort of thing? Like, no, no, awesome. Uh, yeah, I just I was just curious. Just my my background is, um, you know, I was in the recce platoon for a bunch of years, and then I moved over when I got promoted to a what would it be squad leader. Uh, moved over to rifle company back again. So you st- we always start in rifle company, and then if you're going to move to a speciality platoon, you'll move out of the company and then do that for a bunch of years, and then usually when you get promoted, you'll you'll move back to a rifle company um, as a squad leader, and then. Between sergeant and all that sort of shit. <clears throat> so after your first appointment, then how was that trying to uh, sort of transition back into civil life? Did you just flow back into it normally, or was it was there any sort of struggles between you and the guys um, that you noticed? I think like it's just, it's it's crazy. Like because we went. I remember the first night back, we uh, like you know you all go out and you party and stuff like that. And then we had um, I had a really good buddy. Because we're we're so used to like all being in this little this little like shack for a year together, and then we we get stuck in our own room, and it's like, man, I don't want to hang out in my own room by myself. I'm gonna go hang out with you, you know. So like nine times out of ten, we were spending most of the time still together, even though we had our own places. Like yeah. I think that's the biggest is like that that sense of community that and family that everybody builds while yeah. they're deployed, and then we come back, and it's just like everybody kind of either scatters. And you know, goes to different duty stations and and stuff like that, or they just go start doing their own thing, and it's just like, oh shit, man, what do I do now? Yeah, I've got a fucking amazing. Well, you can be the one judge, but I got a fucking good uh, first night backstory. <laughs> so we right. get we get back into the UK, and then we have a big long drive up from where uh, wherever we landed. Um, it was like a six seven hour drive, and we're all in coaches the whole battalion. <clears throat> we get into the the camp, and then we're doing you know weapons hand in and you know we're checking off all the serial number kit and all this sort of shit and then it's like right you've got tonight but you have to be on parade at nine in the morning do whatever the fuck you want but be on parade at nine in the morning if you're not here at nine you're completely fucked so obviously the whole company's like right once we get fell out we're straight downtown you know thousands of pounds in the bank you know you, you you're going downtown fucking thinking you're some sort of high roller and uh, me and this other guy that was my best mate at the time, we ended up uh, picking up these two girls who were like, they were big girls. <laughs> they were fucking big girls. It was uh, like three in the morning, you're waiting to get a taxi home, you're still not like hooked up with anyone, so you're like, oh, I'll just take what's going sort of thing. So we end up chatting to these girls and we, we jump in a taxi with them and, take, and they take us back to their house. I mean, I, we, were, we were, everyone was all fucking hammered. Uh, yeah. That's it. I black out. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, what's going on? And then I'm like, I look over my eyes, look around. I'm in this completely fucking God knows where I am room. And I'm looking around like, oh, here we go. I'm in trouble here. Like, please, someone be with me at least just to make sure I'm not here on my own. <laughs> so as I'm getting my shit together, I pull the covers off and realize I pissed the bed. And I'm looking for my clothes and I've got my t-shirt on, but no boxers or trousers or nothing. And I'm like, oh shit. So I'm looking around the room and there's obviously a girl in bed with me and uh, I'm looking around the room for my clothes. I can't see shit nowhere. So I'm like, right, I'm like covering my, my cock and stuff. And I'm going downstairs. And I'm like, where the hell is anyone? Where's my clothes? What's going on? And I go downstairs and my mate's on the sofa downstairs in the, in the living room. So I wake him up. And I'm like, get up, get up, get up. 
I says, what time is it? He's like, he looks at his watch and he's like, it's half nine in the morning. I was like, just, he's like, leave me alone. I'm like, half nine? We might have been parade half an hour ago. And I'm like, fuck. Anyway, so I wake him up and we're running about the house going crazy. Like, where's my clothes? We're shouting at the girl. Where have you put my clothes? <laughs> and uh, eventually we get our clothes. We get our shit together. We call a taxi. We get back to the unit. We're like an hour and a half late by this time. The fucking sergeant major's going nuts. And he's like, right, you, like, uh, if you hand in your passport, we'll get it squared away and, and then that'll be you going to leave. So my, me and my mate are like, going, going, go to go and get our passport. He goes up to the room, grabs his passport, and I'd taken my passport out the night before as ID. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd left it at this girl's house. And so I go back down to the Sergeant Major and I'm like, sir, I've not got my fucking passport. I've lost it. And he just flips the fucking lid. He's like, I'm, you're getting zero leave. We're meant to go in six weeks leave. He's like, you're getting no fucking leave. You're going to be back here on guard every night, day on, day off for six weeks. And I'm like, I'm, in, I'm 18 years old. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I want to cry. Anyway, he keeps me there. He, 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 he sends the whole company down the road. And he keeps me there like an hour late. He's like, you're lucky. I'm going to let you off this one time. It's because of the fuck you've just come back from the tour. If this was a normal working week, you'd be fucked. And uh, I was like, right, okay, sir, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. And he sent me off my way. And then, like, uh, like I tried calling the girl. I tried, like, everything I could to get my passport back. But she never, she, she texted back saying, I've got your passport. Uh, but I had no idea where she lived. I had no idea, like, how to get, get in touch with her. And she fucking kept it, the bitch. I'm like, Jesus. So I had to fork out another 80 quid for a brand new passport. Yes. So, but uh, that sort of shit happens all the time, man. Oh yeah. There was the. I remember, man. It was it was like the third. It wasn't the day we got back. It was like the third day that we were back because like we get like back then you did your year, and then you touched base, you turned your weapon in and stuff like that, and then they put you there immediately. I like, put you on like a four day pass, and so oh, it was like yeah. the third day pass. Yeah, and I'm with my buddies, and there was this like oh I like I I was blackout I was so drunk and I was like you know what like this girl like I thought I, I was in my mind I thought she had like a Russian accent the whole time <laughs> but you know and then you know I was talking to her and then me and my buddy leave she hits me up the next morning and we're gonna go get something to eat and my buddy's sitting there giggling in his truck the whole time and I'm like what's so funny man and the, the chick comes up it turns out she had like a speech impediment and I was just really drunk and I couldn't understand it <laughs> <laughs> you're a shit person you know that yeah it happens. <laughs> right so what was next for you then after that after you insulted some girl with speech impediment yeah no i didn't i didn't end up done like the speech impediment that was done like i ate and then we left and then we went home yeah but the um after that we went to like shortly after that is when i got orders to go to germany all right where were you where uh whereabouts were you in germany uh, about an hour away from Nuremberg. Oh, nice. Is that, uh, is that south? Yeah, it's south. It's in, like, yeah. Bavaria. Yeah. Um, do you get a lot of skiing, then, in the winter? No, man. No, I didn't. No. Seriously? I, we, no, we went up to... Dude, I don't know how to ski or snowboard. <laughs> like, oh, get out of here. fucking army. They pay you to go on ski lessons and shit like that. No? no? The only time I went skiing was we actually got to do an M4 range with the Estonians. That was pretty legit. And we shot off the skis and stuff. Oh, but yeah. that was only on skis. But 
Yeah, it was, we did. We we went up to like we went up to the Alps and stuff a couple times. That was pretty cool. But the Bavaria is like ski heaven. If you ski, then Bavaria is the place to go. <clears throat> they've, got this, they've got this ski resort called uh, Fellhorn, which is like the German part, and Nebelhorn. Fellhorn mm-hmm. Bahn and Nebelhorn Bahn. It's like on the border, so you can ski from Germany into into uh, I fucking can't remember Austria or Switzerland, one of these countries. You can ski from from Germany into Austria or Switzerland and then back again um, on this like same ski resort. It's fucking amazing. It's like the best skiing you ever get. But they never gave you any of that, no. And now. No, we didn't get that's that's fun. That's some fucking shit. That, um, yeah, we get we get looked after in terms of like adventure training, like uh, stuff like that. But, um, I guess it swings and roundabouts, yeah. How, how did you find Germany? Uh, I just I just re enlisted, and then they're like, Oh, you're going to Germany, and I'm like, Okay, I guess let's do yeah. this. Was yeah. that so? Uh, was Germany your first time out of the country? In, in terms of like not go, not going to Afghanistan, not go, going to war sort of thing, was that your first uh, trip out of the country? Yeah, that was my first. Yeah, that was yeah. the first time that it was a, it was a trip. What, like we we got plane and like man, what am I doing here? Like I can't understand any of these dudes. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Is the area where you were based? Is it sort of like a like a military garrison or is it? Like how how is it? Are they accepting of like um, I'm guessing I'm guessing that base has been there for fucking years. Yeah, it was it was just like any other like any other base like it was butted up right next to a little town in Germany and it was it was like all German like buildings and stuff. All the locals sweet with you and stuff like that. Was there any rifts or what? Any what? Rifts like um, drama between you and the locals. No, no, actually not. No, not really. Not too bad. You guys must be too well behaved. Well, so it was funny. Like they would complain about us while we were there, and then when we would deploy, there's no Joes going out to their bars spending their spending money. So like they would complain that we were gone. <laughs> but yeah, we the exact like, same would, problem here. Yeah, they would stop us. Like they'd be like, like we'd try to go into like a bar or a nightclub or something. They'd be like, oh no, can't come in. Too many Americans. And then I'd be like, no, I'm their I'm their squad leader. Like, well, I'll keep them. I'll keep them under control. Like, it'll be fine. And then, like, every time I would do that, I'd, it'd always end up being me the one in a fight. And it's just like, this is stupid. <laughs> Bro, I've been there as well, man. Fuck me. Um, yeah, like, we've got the exact same problem. In the UK, like, you cannot get in if you're in a military garrison with anyone, a group of, like, three or plus. You will not get in anywhere. Yeah. They will just point blank refuse you. Just because it's like, um, it ends up normally being. Like the, the squad, like we call them squaddies, obviously soldiers. Like squaddies are like um, they can they, they they contain themselves. Like if mm-hmm. they fight amongst themselves, it's just between themselves and like you know no one else really needs to get involved. If they've got any shit going on between themselves, it's just between themselves. Like civilians don't really need to get involved. The drama mm-hmm. comes when like a civilian would start on a squaddy, and then it's like everyone knows that squad is, so they're like, like, this is war, so shit. You've got 30 guys beating up, like, four local guys. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, this isn't helping anyone. Yeah. We're going to be banned forever. Like, we have, we've had times in the, in, in the army over here where it's been like, we've been banned from full, full cities. Like, you, you cannot go out in this city. You're banned from this city. It's no pretty, way. Yeah, it's pretty ruthless. Like, um, it's not so much so bad anymore. But it used to be real bad in like the nineties and early, like 
early 2000s, I'd say. And maybe even before that, I'm not really too sure, but I know for a fact, 90s, early 2000s, like, people were getting banned from cities. Like, battalions were getting banned from cities. We were banned from a country at one point. So Cyprus, um, we, we are based in Cyprus now. Um, yeah. But we got banned from going on holiday. Like, the military got banned from going on holiday to Cyprus at one point. Um, they, have, they have this place called Ayanapa, and the guys who were based in Cyprus, I have no fucking idea how this happened, but like a couple of them, like three, four of them, they ended up murdering um, someone, and they tried, to, they, tried to, they tried to bury the person in the beach. It was an infantry battalion, of course, um, and they tried to bury someone on the beach, um, and they obviously got caught, and then for I don't know how long, like it was like you cannot go there if you're if you're based if you're in the army you're not allowed to go on holiday to Cyprus if you're in the army. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. But I think that sort of shit's like being lifted now and like like you could you could probably go there while while that ban was on and just be lucky not to get caught sort of thing. But um, yeah, like it's fucking pretty ruthless. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Horrible. So did uh, were you married or were you single at the time when you're in Germany? I was, yeah, I was on, I was on married number two that time. Damn, you've been through the ringer. Yeah. American girl or German girl? No, American man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, man, that's fucking crazy. You're a fucking like. The more I talk to you, the more I know you're legit. <laughs> that's fucking class. So, was she over there accompanying you, or were you on your own? No, I, her and my uh, oldest son were with me. Right. Is that son with, your, with that, uh, that lady? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have kids then, I guess, like more than one? Yeah, I got two. I got two boys. Oh, nice. What ages? Uh, ten and five. Sweet, man. How is that right now? Like, like that sort of ten and five age? Ten's like they're getting to that sort of teenage years, but five's just getting out of the child age. How is that? Oh, it's, it's rough, man, because, like, like I, the simplest way to put it is last year I was up uh, in Wisconsin with my dad, and I look at my dad, and I'm like, Dad, man, I am sorry for being such a little shit when I was growing up. And he's like, oh, it's all right, Christopher. Like, you know, you live and you learn. And I'm like, is that it? Is the curse over? Are my kids good now? Like, is that how it works? And he's like, nope, that's not how it works, man. But, yeah, like, some, like we took them fish a couple weeks ago, and, Next thing you know, the, the youngest one hooks the oldest one in the arm with a hook. And it's just like, like you try to get mad at him, but it's like, yep, that's, that's something that, that's me. Like you can't get mad at him too much. Yeah, that's fucking, that's funny that. But, um, you know, like me and the wife were like, we're talking about kids and stuff at the minute. But um, it's like, we've got obviously an immigration issue to work through. But at the same time, we're like, man, what a fucking time to be even thinking about having kids, especially in the, in the States right now. But it's like, yeah. it's in the UK, it's the same, but it's not as bad, nowhere near as bad as what's going on in the States right now. But what a crazy time. Like, um, how long have you had your kids off, off school and stuff like that? Uh, they got out. Of, so I get them uh, two weeks every six months and then four days, like for like visitation and stuff, like when they get to come down here. And But they've been out of school oh man, they've been out of school for a minute. Like they had to do like online courses and stuff, but yeah, they haven't been in school for a little bit. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. 
do you have any idea like when they're when they're going to be getting back to it or they're, ta- they're they're still like hashing stuff out around here like how they're gonna do like how they're gonna like mitigate like class sizes and the whole like six feet apart and yeah. all that stuff dude it's a lot of bullshit there's uh there's been loads of studies out that have proven that children don't don't transmit it they don't even they don't even contract it you know mm-hmm. there was like uh there was something done some sort of study in new jersey where it was like there was like 13 13,000 cases or something and there was one 13,000 deaths or something like that and there was one mm-hmm. child under 18 one and that kid had like pre-existing health conditions so it's like kids aren't at risk they, like and they don't transmit it apparently so it's like what's the big deal like why would you why would you dis credit that you know i don't fucking know man it's a, an absolute crazy situation it kind, of pisses, kind of pisses me off that it's all been so politicized but uh, yeah yeah we'll fucking leave that otherwise i'm gonna get angry yeah it happened <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so how was uh how was your next deployment did you deploy from germany or yeah yeah we deployed out of germany it wasn't we went to that's when we went through Kandahar and then we stayed we didn't stay at Kandahar too long and we went to what is it uh Pasab and we're there for like three months and then for the remaining six we went to Masangar and it was like just a little shit cob man like I think it was like six it was it wasn't very long at all it was not like maybe like half a mile long yeah like it was so small and then say that again the the cob was half a mile long yeah it wasn't long at all dude you're staying in some luxury here we we said we said <laughs> uh, i'm writing a book right now and i'm like going through all this sort of stuff and uh because i took a diary and uh mm-hmm. i'm going back through it and i'm like i'm thinking of the places we stayed like there was nothing bigger than like 400 meters no shit yeah like the biggest place we stayed in was 400 meters like we were staying in uh checkpoints that were like 50 meters by 60 meters for like weeks um yeah it was pretty fucking you don't i don't realize like how good or bad we've got it i just know what we've got mm-hmm. uh, you know at the time it just you know it's, it's pretty easy living it's you don't have any distractions you just are in and around the boys mm-hmm. um, and everything's pretty primitive oh yeah it's, it's oh. such an easy like as long as you don't get shot life's good you know yeah <laughs> yeah so what what location was that was that up north or no, that was that was in RC South. That was down south. Oh, it was right. maybe, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very far away from the Hellman border, where we were at. Right. Okay. We were just I've, never, I've never heard of that that area. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. Um, RC South is um, we had a that, on my first deployment. That was our like um, objective, like to do strike ops and stuff in the whole of RC South. So we were doing. A shit ton of like air assaults in the Kandahar and uh, Helmand and fucking all over really like places I can't even remember um, the names of, um, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. <clears throat> and what was your what was your unit role like? What was your battalion role that that second tour? Oh, we did uh, like it was like a lot of like key leader engagements uh, with like the locals. We ran stuff and helped train their army a little bit. Um, and then that was just like that. It was just like real simple stuff, like basically just go out on this mission and see what happens. 
Yeah. Was it foot patrols or vehicle moves? Huh? Was it foot patrols or vehicle moves? Uh, it was, it was a little bit of both. Like our longer movements, like sometimes we would go out, stop the truck, and then do a patrol on foot. Or sometimes we do a whole patrol on in the mount in the vehicle. Or, you know, or just all on foot. It just depends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, kind of the same. What year was that? Mm -hmm. That was, shoot, uh, 2000. So the first one was 2009, 2010. And so I think it was like 2012, something like that, 2013. Right, okay. So things were kind of kind of quieting down at that time, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was the the second election that they had in Afghanistan because my first deployment we were there for the first one. Yeah. And then deployment I was there for the second one. Yeah, I don't know, but it was my section pretty much. We got tasked to do uh, security for all the helicopters. They were picking up the the ballot boxes, so mm -hmm. my section got split in two. We went in two fire teams and two CH forty sevens, and they were flying from like police checkpoint to police checkpoint picking up all these uh, ballot boxes we went all the way up the the eastern and border to the north sort of thing just sort of parallel with uh kabul and then we came all the way back down picking all these election boxes up it's fucking crazy spent a full day just like um sitting in a ch47 like getting to run off every like every half hour an hour um for to provide like ground security it was you know it was an absolute bone task but it was like that like the experience you get from that, like seeing the whole country from the from the sky is pretty crazy. And like yeah. mate, some of that country, it looks like fucking it's on Mars, man. It is insane. Yeah. yeah. Like especially down south, like down south it just looked like and that, that moon dust, man. No. Like, but up north, man, like it's nice. It looks like almost like the Rocky Mountains up north. Like they have evergreen trees and it's real pretty up north, but down south, yeah, it looks like a total different planet. Yeah. Did you ever go up north? Yeah, that's where my first deployment was. It was up north. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, like, excuse my ignorance, so I don't really have a, a good understanding of where Jalalabad and all these other places are that, that you're mentioning, but... <clears throat> um, what were your overall thoughts of, of what you were doing in Afghanistan? I thought it was, it was, especially going there at like in 2009 and then coming back, it was really like how much the country grew, like how they're starting to become like, how they became like a little bit more westernized. And then, um, cause you know, back in like 2009, you couldn't trust, you couldn't trust any, any of them, you know? And then in 2013, you started working with them a lot more and like they had like that, that urge to learn. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool i i'm kind of conflicted on my on what my views are like um the more i've matured the more i've kind of really thought about like um our effectiveness over there um mm -hmm. in terms of more political sort of standings at the time when i was over there i was tw 18 and 20 so like at the time i'm just fucking i'm in it i'm i'm blinkers on i'm not looking left and right I'm just doing what I'm told and we're fucking loving it, loving life. But looking back, man, I'm just kind of like, I'm a, a bit conflicted about nothing personal, uh, but just about the overall overall mission and shit like that. But, um, you know, there's so much good that's came out of it, but, you know, it's it's just, it just seems so terrible. It's such a waste to just leave it and just for it to be handed back to, 
to the fucking enemy overnight almost, which is a big shame. That's my that's my overall thoughts. If it's worth fucking worth anything. Yeah, no, that yeah, no, I I, I completely understand that because like there was sometimes that deployment like we'd be working with we'd be working we'd do, be doing like KLEs and like working with different like A and A guys and then like I remember walking away we'd just look at each other and be like yep that dude's probably gonna get his head cut off when we leave yeah. like just because like some of them like it's either feast or famine like some of them are all about it all about like you know having their their country back and like fighting for it and then other ones are just like ah man screw this i'm just down with whatever yeah you can so. you can tell straight away when someone's bullshitting you as well like even though you, even though you don't speak the language you can mm-hmm. tell you can tell that someone's fucking bullshitting you you can tell just by the tone of their voice what they what the interpreter's saying you know the interpreter knows he's talking shit so then the interpreter t- starts talking shit you're just sitting there listening and you're like dude you're full of fucking shit i can tell it um and then you've got other guys who are literally spilling their heart out and you're like, damn, man, fuck, this is fucking real. But, um, yeah, it's a big fucking, it's way above our heads, so you don't need to fucking worry about it, really. But um, I just wondered what your thoughts were on it, really. <clears throat> um, and how long were you over there the second time? Because the first time you were there for a year, right? Yeah, and the second time we were there for nine months. Is that becoming more normal now that you do a shop that the US Army are doing a shorter tour? Because it's been a year for yeah. a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a year for a good while. And then that second one, that was like one of the first like nine month type deals. Dude, so. a year's a fucking that's a sentence. That is a jail sentence. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like if when you do nine months, you're like, all right, I have three months that I'm not gonna miss anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have three months of birth. I'm not gonna miss. Maybe I might not miss Christmas. You know what I mean? And then, but year, you're like, yep, fucked for a whole year. Yeah. How much R and R are you getting in that year then? You get 15 days. In a year. Yeah. Yeah. The nine months oh. you don't. You don't anything. Jesus. Yeah. Do you get any extra bonuses in terms of monetary bonus, or like, are you paying tax or what on that? Oh yeah, so that's that's a good thing. Like we you get paid like a whole bunch of different bonuses, and then we don't pay taxes right, over, well, over there. That's a bit of a bonus. So at least you're coming back with a fucking good chunk of change then, because oh yeah, like we're still paying tax on our wage. Um, we come home and we're we get four. Uh, on our, we're doing anywhere between six and seven months, and uh, we you know we've got a fourteen day R and R period. That includes travel as well. So like if you get if you get if you're living out in a, a checkpoint, you have to get a helicopter to let's say Bastion, and then uh, you have to wait for your flight out of Bastion, which could be you know the next day or whatever. So then there's two days of your R and R, and then you come back two days early so that you can get back and take back to your checkpoint. So you're really getting like ten days, but at least we're getting a chance to go home. Um, on yeah. your fifteen days, are you going home or are you are you going to somewhere where you decide? Yeah, you can go. You can go wherever you want to go. Seriously, so what? How does it work? Do they say, let's say you want to go to Thailand? Do you go home and then you fly to Thailand, or did did they schedule a flight straight to Thailand or what? Oh, they could like if you want. Like I know, I knew dudes that they wanted to go to Australia for their R and R, and they pay they they pay for it. Damn, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't get that. We just get a fucking a charter flight. You're going back to you're going back to London, and then from London you you go wherever you want, sort of thing. So it's kind of it's, it's fucking really shit to be honest 
but if you've got family and stuff, it's obviously great. You, you, you're going home to see them and stuff. But um, yeah, I would have loved to go to like Thailand or fucking anywhere when I was 18. Um, going home wasn't really on my priority. I just kind of wanted to stay there. I didn't want to miss anything. I had FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, uh, but yeah, that's fucking very interesting to, to, to hear that you you can go anywhere you want. You, you're getting extra bonuses, not being taxed. Um, so yeah, coming home with a good good chunk of change there. Did you have much um, enemy encounters on either of your tours or the the first the first one? Not so much. We had a couple. The the second one, the second deployment, we had, we had a we had a few more that deployment than the first one. Yeah. What sort of things were you uh, uh, experiencing? Uh, like V-bids, uh, IDs, like, and then every now, like, small arms fire a couple of times. That was really about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, uh, we never had any sort of, like, um, just, I think, because of the era we were operating, we never mm -hmm. had any sort of V-bids. Um, everything was, this is both my tours, everything was, um, uh, anti-personnel ID and contact, you know, from RPG, rifle fire, PKM, whatever. Um, but my first tour was, my first tour was like the tour of all tours. It's like, um, you know, fucking, you can make a movie about this sort of shit. My second tour was, you know, it was pretty bone. Uh, we'd done a lot. You still got a lot of contacts, but like having coming from that first tour where it's like every single day, every op you go on, you know, it's like constant. My second tour, we were ground holding. We were going out. It was like, let's say, every third patrol. Um, yeah. But yeah, we still got we still got a good few engagements. Um, and our unit on the first day have done extremely well. We got like um, five people who got um, a military cross, which is kind of like one below Medal of Honor. Like we have VC, oh, yeah. we have VC, and I think we have military cross. So like, you've got. Medal of Honor, and I don't know what you have underneath that. Like a gold star or something, is it? Uh, silver star. Something like that, yeah. So we had a bunch of guys that got that, which is fucking uh, quite unique, I would say. Like five guys. Um, but yeah, did you have any more deployments to anywhere else, or was that kind of it for you? And then, well, then we had the one with Wellesley. Oh, right, okay, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what year was that? Uh, I was like... What, like 2015, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What were you doing in between that time? Did you get promoted in, in that time? Uh, yeah, I got promoted to uh, staff sergeant, which is like a section commander. And then um, I went to Fort Polk, which is in Louisiana. And then okay. just tried to go to, to Iraq. Yeah. Um, so for, for your uh, promotion to staff sergeant, how do you go about that? Do you have, is it just time served or do you have to go and do a course or what? Oh, uh, so first you have to like do so many months and like as a sergeant and then you have to be in the army such a period of time. And then once like those markers are hit, then you got to go sit in front of a board with all like a bunch of sergeant, like you have the sergeant major and then all the company first sergeants. Yeah. And then ask you a bunch of questions and then they decide if they want to promote you. And then once, if they say, all right, yep, we want to promote you, then you got to go to a course. And then once you get done with the course, you can, you can get promoted. Right. Yeah, actually, like, gone and get it paid. 
Um, so you have to kind of go for a job interview before you even get to go on the course. Yeah, pretty much, man. Motherfucker, that's fucking rough. <laughs> we we kind of just get picked out of a picked out of a hat. It seems like it's like right, um, you're going on the we call it juniors. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's like right, you're going to juniors next. It's kind of like all right, okay, like no problem. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we go and do what's called Sitch Commanders Battle Course uh, at the Infantry Battle School down in Wales. And yeah. That is a four-month course. We do two months of uh, rifle and, you know, personal weapons uh, instruction, uh, range um, scenarios and stuff like that. And we, we get all our qualifications on static ranges to be able to run them and operate them. And we also get a qualification in doing uh, live fire range safety up into including company life company live attack I think so it's a pretty uh, legit first two months and you do that first and then you have two months of um, infantry exercise pretty much so it's like um, Monday to Friday you've got the staff down there who uh, will instruct you for the first two weeks and then you have six weeks of um, exercise where you're, you're working Monday to Friday and you're just pretty much being tested and it's just it's just a chocolate factory of rolling through people in positions you get your appointment you have to shine on your appointment um and then you know once you're done you swap and someone else will do it so it's um yeah that's quite good and we we then have the same sort of thing for a platoon sergeant as well but it's a little bit shorter it's only three months but it's kind of more intense um our mm-hmm. such commanders courses it's really enjoyable, I, I thought, and our, our platoon sergeant's courses. It's not necessarily hard. It's just more intense, and you just don't sleep as well. But, um, is part- that Brecon? Which one is that? Yeah, Brecon, yes. They're both run at Brecon. So the infantry battle schools at Brecon. Um, yeah, because the guys that like the, the rifles and the Scots, they're always like, oh, Brecon, like the mountains and all that crazy shit. It's like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Brecon's like um uh Brecon's a, a a very small village in Wales. Um mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of the mountains, Brecon Beacons. Um so our training area is not so much mountainous but more very rolling landscape, let's call it. Um it's some pretty tough terrain to be fair, especially when you're doing, you know, infantry operations. But it's, it's a fucking great time down there. Um, and that's where, that's where our infantry guys go to, to do their promotion courses. Uh, if you're going mainstream, if you're going, if you're going to take a, a separate avenue in terms of going to like, um, like our fire support group or our mortars or signals and stuff like that, you can, obviously, you can promote in that speciality, but it's a different course at a different location. But most guys who want to stay mainstream, mainstream tend to just stick with uh, going to Brecon and doing those promotion courses. Mm-hmm. What what's the uh, what's the course like that you have to attend post uh, oh. post interview, let's say? Yeah, so well the interview, like the board, it's just um like it's just they ask you like a bunch of like leadership questions, make sure you know because make sure you know like all the weapon systems you're gonna be in charge of controlling and stuff. Yeah. And then go to the course like sergeant that man it, you don't do nothing crazy it's like um 
man, that's so long ago. Let me think what you like, you do land nav and then you learn how to do like counselings and memorandums. It's just like a, it's, it's like a lot of paperwork because all those, that, that school is like all like infantrymen and everybody else all in one. Right. Okay. And then when you go to like be a section commander or a platoon sergeant, that's when it's just infantrymen. And that's when it starts getting like a little bit more in depth with stuff. Yeah. And you're staff sergeant now, so you're a uh, section commander right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what I was when I left. I got a, a medical discharge after 10 years. So when I left, I was a, a section commander. So pretty much on the same level right there. <clears throat> um, awesome. Um, and so that takes us up to what, 2015, 16? Uh, yeah, it'd be 2016, yeah. And then you deployed to Iraq in 2017, did you say? Yep. Okay, how was that? Op shader, was it? Yeah, it was op shader, yeah. It was it was a completely different animal, man. Like, it was like, because we were working with, there was like you guys, and then, or there was the Scots and the two rifles, and then we worked with Marines and some of the Danish army. And it was just like, it was just like a complete like culture shock and like just the different stuff. Like I, I wasn't used to just being like pulling guard all the time. I was, we were, we were more used to doing other stuff. Like all the, all the pogues and rumps pulled guard back in, back, back before, you know, cause they were always on the cob. And now we're, they're like, oh yeah, you guys are just going to be pulling security. And it's like, oh, that's motherfucker. My- <laughs> hey, what's a, what's a pogue? It's a it's a rump like it's a personnel other than grunt so it's just basically right. like <laughs> right okay and for the Americans rump is a, a rear echelon motherfucker so yeah that's anyone other than uh, infantry <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fucking classic you've got a version of that as well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah so like um, you were out in Iraq then and you managed to roll through two infantry. Uh, brigades going through there or units going through there Mm -hmm. this is one of the questions that came up so i I posted on my my instagram earlier on what sort of questions do you want me to ask and i got three questions from guys who said uh, they wanted to know your honest opinion your honest opinion and bear in mind this is an open forum you can say whatever the fuck you want there'll be no judgment whatsoever they wanted to know your honest opinion of the british army from what you experienced oh hands down it was like, it was, it was insane. Like watching them on the range, like we're lucky if we don't have to yell at a private to make sure his rifle's clear. But like you guys on the range, like y'all, what is it? Like, it's all like synchronized. Like you guys all drop to the knee, drop the magazine, uh, make sure it's clear and then fire, you know, like pull the trigger to make sure it's completely clear. And you do it without being told. And so that was, that was cool to see. And then like how you're all by the book, like if there's, you know, the HMG and the GPMG in the Sanger and you're not qualified on the GPMG, then you're not even sitting next to it. Like in our army, it's just like, oh, you'll know how to shoot it. But yeah. like you guys, it's, it's. You'll figure it out. Huh? You'll figure it out. Yeah. But, and then, like, your guys' equipment's pretty awesome. Like, the, the soft mounts and stuff on the, the HMG were pretty cool. But it was it was really – and then just, like, how – I remember the SAR Major that – I think it was – it was for two rifles. The SAR Major that was there 
we'd be like, you know, cause in our army, that's, well, even in your army, that's a high rank. Like you don't get much higher than, than that as an enlisted man. And yeah. so me and my platoon star would be like, yep, Roger Star Major. And he'd get so mad. He'd be like, no, just call me Danny. And then he'd be like, call me by my, you know? And it's like, what? Yeah. This is our on by his first name. Like it was, it was, it was cool. Like how professional they were, but they were pretty laid back. And then how to see, like, they were just like us, you know, like they're just like the American infantrymen. Like they like mourn, mourn at every single opportunity. They yep. complain at every second of the day. I fucking love it, mate. Honestly, I love that shit. It's uh, yep. as good as an NCO to like when you when you get guys coming up, you mourning and shit like that. Like, I was uh, I was always like, I would always encourage it. It's like, what's the fucking problem? And I'd be like, they would just unleash on you, and you just like listen to all their more all their uh, we call them shimps. You listen to all their shimps, and then it'd be like. Yep. You'd be you'd be processing in your head. It's like this is nothing. This is honestly nothing. It's not a, a, like this is a, a zero complaint right mm-hmm. here on and out. Um, but at the same time, you're like, like I was always like um, accepting of it, and I'm like, right, yeah, I know it's fucking shit. But if we just do it and we do it well, then people will look at you and you'll think you're you're doing a good job, and then that's going to benefit you in the future, sort of thing. And you know, just fucking feeding bullshit to them just to get, mm-hmm. them to get them to do their job. I used to, like, when I was very young and a, a Lance Corporal, I used to think telling people what to do was how you, how you, uh, how you commanded. But I, I understand, I understood that making people feel like you were part of their problem was how you really commanded them. Like, if, um, if you could, if they could, if you could make them feel like you, that you were feeling the same grievance as them, and that you're all and you're working together to get the problem solved then it would uh it manifest itself better but oh yeah like being an nco basic like pretty much made me like a better dad because you just let's just like you're dealing with kids like all right man like i'll be talking to my kid be like hey you know just make sure you go clean your room you know i hope you know we'll, we'll clean your room. <laughs> you know and then and then you're dealing with soldiers be like hey you know you gotta, you gotta clean your rifle you know make sure your rifle's clean make sure your uniform's good it's like the same thing you got to deal with, man. Hey, I've, I've got that going on with my wife sometimes. She, she called me up and she's like, ah, oh, fucking, like, all sad and all, like, something something trivial has happened. And mm-hmm. I'm like, can you fucking affect it? Can you put, can you affect the change? She's like, oh, no, not really. There's nothing really I can do about it. I says, why bother fucking worrying about it then? Just let it go. Oh. Focus yeah. your intention on something that you can do. Be positive. Like, Go work out we'll do something else um but yeah it's kind of the same like you know it's it's lessons like that that you learn that at the time you don't even realize that you're learning these lessons like like you said it's transitioned into dad skills um and it's transitioned to me into now working in a civilian uh skills whereas before i would i would be like did you fucking talking shit just fucking shut up whatever blah 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 but now i'm just like i'm listening and I'm not spouting my mouth. I'm just listening to the problems. They're all, all the problems I'm hearing, they're all bullshit. But I'm just, I'm, yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, we need to fix that. You know, just shit like that. And I'm just like, like, you could, you could take this shit and you could, you could make it really painful if you actually thought about it hard. But the good thing about a, a good leader is taking it in there, putting it back out and making, a, making the person feel that their problem has been listened to but it's, it's, it's been addressed and it's nothing really too serious. Everything's going to be okay. 
Yep. Exactly. It's all bullshit, though. It's all bullshit. Most of it you don't give a fuck about. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, and uh, so you were pulling guard in, in Iraq, and I know that there was, was there a guard rotation and a training rotation? Is that how it worked out there? Uh, no, it was pretty much just like, well, we had like, you know, we had certain days we'd be on guard, and then um, certain days we'd be on like React and stuff like that. Right, okay. Is that doing the Guardian Angel and stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. And you were out there for a year? No, this last one we were there for eight, almost nine months. Right, okay, yeah. Right, so you're doing nine months tours consistently now? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, Wellesley talked about the uh, the US, um, what would you call them? Uh, morale boxes or something like that? Or no. uh, What do you call them? Care packages? Care packages, yeah. We don't have a thing. We don't, have a, we don't even have a name for them because we don't get them. <laughs> <laughs> what we get is like a, like a shoebox and it's wrapped in brown paper like you would expect to be sent to you in, in the 50s. Uh, and inside is like a letter from some 70-year-old woman. We really appreciate your service, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. She's a, a retired teacher from the local high school. And she'll send you tampons and toothpaste and a bunch of shit you do not want to open and see inside your box. All you want is fucking candy. You want chocolate. You want, you know, just shit to eat. You don't care about yeah. anything else, but yeah. Um, Wellesie was talking about all the sort of shit that you get in yours. Uh, you want to just um, explain for people that, ha that didn't listen to the last one what, so what, you're, what you're finding in those things. Oh, it's insane. So like um my my oldest son, his school like adopted the, the platoon we were with and they would send like these massive boxes, you know, like about like that big and then like that thick of nothing but just like candy, like you open it up and it's just like Jesus, like what am I like you end up like giving most of it to your buddies and stuff because you got so much of it and it's just yeah. and yeah, like what Wellesley was saying, like the letters and like a whole stack of them just like you know like oh i want to be like little like a little stick figure of a dude in like camo you know what i mean a dude in a uniform and then an american flag behind it you know it's insane so you got a bunch of fucking patriots sending you shit yeah you could say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what i like to hear <laughs> um do you have any anything else to add on that uh option or No, it was it was really cool just like being able to like work with all like just learning how they worked and like man those those two rifles there's this color sergeant there his name was uh his they called him ginge and that dude like if you pissed him off like he he would beat you you'd want to like you thought he was gonna beat the snot out of some dude like <laughs> that's the thing like the british army like they're they're real calm and chill but like if they get pissed like you're done man there's no there's no fucking stopping them it was just like, oh man. I think that's kind of like a, that's kind of like a, a, a British trait. Like, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how you really explain it, but like, yeah, I guess it's kind of, things are normal, things are chill, but then you start taking the piss out of someone. It's like, you better fucking not do that because I'm, yeah. I'm going to shit. Yeah, I've, I've seen him make, like, I've seen that dude. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. 
he made like grown ass man feel like that big just from talk just from getting into him for like 15 minutes and it's like shit. yeah hey I, we had a i had a sergeant major one time he was actually my platoon sergeant when i was going through basic training uh uh-huh. ended up going coming back to my unit and becoming a, my sergeant major but um so two stories and in training in basic training we had a guy who, who was a he was a bully in the platoon right in, in the basic training platoon and he, everyone knew he was a bully all the instructors concerned everyone knew he was a bully but there was never ever really an instant incident that uh would warrant any sort of like action upon it but every every single day he was like bullying guys you know just like weak guys in the platoon he'd fucking pick on he'd bully and he'd call names and he'd fucking embarrass in front of other guys and you know like bullying for us and bullying in the army in general is just a, an absolute no-no um mm-hmm. and eventually something happened where the platoon sergeant who's a fucking set like a loose cannon but a very very like he was almost a lovable guy he was a very mm-hmm. lovable guy like great personality like very humble like really modest all this sort of shit but you did not want to get on his bad side and like you said like he got this uh, he got this guy in after the incident um and like he got the full platoon out on the corridor and his office was in the corridor so like he got the the bully in the platoon uh into his office he got the full platoon on the corridor and he closed the door uh and then for 15 minutes just permanent send he was fucking going at this guy you're a fucking bully this 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 the whole the whole time and eventually after this 15 minutes he's like get in my fucking office the guy came out mate he was like he's a big guy and he'd been bullying everyone for months. He came out and he's crying his eyes out, crying his eyes out. And uh, from then, uh, that was it. He, that guy was done. He uh, like, and it just so happens, like a week later, uh, a bunch of guys from a different training platoon um, gave him what he fucking deserved. He was down down at the bar, and over the weekend, he was down at the bar over the weekend, and uh, I guess he was, you know fucking running his mouth again and these two guys are in the parachute uh uh regiment they were training to be paras so they they mm-hmm. fucking jumped him when he left the bar and stabbed him with uh two pens they had like viral pens and stabbed yeah. him fucking over 30 times and he came running back up to the up to the accommodation and uh the whole platoon we were doing like a sunday night locker inspection it was like 11 11 p.m and he came into the into the corridor. He was absolutely hammered, drunk, like blood fucking spurting out all over him. And uh, we were—it was like 11 p.m. We were doing a locker inspection at like 11 p.m. So as he came into the into the corridor, he was like covered in blood. He's like collapsed in the corridor. Just at this very second, the, the platoon staff were coming around the corridor to do a, an inspection. So thank God we got off of that inspection because they were busy dealing with this fucking this guy getting him the hospital and all that sort of shit but yeah i was like jesus christ man and then the second the second story with uh this guy is uh the sergeant major at the time it's the same thing he got like a platoon sergeant in and he was like platoon sergeant just wasn't respecting him or he wasn't doing his fucking job or whatever and mm-hmm. the thing he would fucking just go out go and go and go him and then he'd get the full company on parade and you could hear him like you like shouting at this guy for like 10 minutes he'd send him out and the and the sergeant major, the guy who was showing him, Kip would come out and his cheeks would be completely beetroot. They would be bright red from screaming and getting his blood pressure so high. He'd come out and it would be calm as hell. 
calm myself and talk to the guys. Right, what's the problem? He's like still shaking and his, his cheeks are fucking beet root red and shit like that. The guy's an absolute legend, but yeah. I know I know I know those people, like I know what you're I know what you're describing. Yeah. Um so what 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 year are we up to now? 2017, you're on tour, and then 2018, what, what are you up to? Um, 2018, nothing too crazy. Uh, just at Fort Polk, or yeah, we were at Fort Polk, and then just training up for the next mission and stuff. That's all we pretty much did. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to since then? Uh, now I'm in Indiana, and we just train National Guard dudes. like. Uh, We'll go down and like evaluate their training, and then we'll give them like the AARs afterwards, and we'll be like, "All right, you did this good. You did this, you know, you didn't do this not so good, and just stuff like that. that's pretty much." And then we just go around to different parts of the country, and, and then just the same thing all over. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good gig. Oh yeah, it's real nice, man. How much traveling you do in a month? Um, maybe a month, probably like. Well, lately it's not too much, but um, we'll go probably about like once a month. We'll go somewhere, maybe once every other month, just depending on how busy we are. And are you going to all states or just localized or what? Just certain states, like the certain our National Guard partners, like uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Ohio, just different places like that. Right. Okay. Awesome. <clears throat> right then, um, probably starting to get to the end of this thing here, but I'll just maybe just ask one question, so uh, kind of wrapping this whole thing up. I, I will talk about story time in a minute, but um, what sort of lessons do you think that you've pulled from from being in the army? That uh, I know we talked about earlier on, but what what sort of lessons do you think that you pulled from uh, from your time in the army that you would take uh, on in the future? I think. Like, the biggest one is, is, like, it's my whole thing I go off of now. It's, like, if it doesn't affect, like, me, or if it doesn't affect my wife or my kids, like, I don't care. You know, like, as long as, like, at the end of the day, like, when I close my eyes, it's, like, all right, kids are safe, wife's safe, life's good. Yeah. And you just, like, you imagine, like, if you just think that way, like, how much stress you don't have. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. Just so, And then... One foot in front of the other. Like, no matter how much something sucks, like you just take a deep breath and it's one deep breath closer to being over. I have pretty much the same mentality. I've got this thing called that anything, anytime I'm like struggling with something or whatever, be it the gym or be it education or be it podcasts or be it anything, I always just think reps. The more reps I do, the better I'll, be get, the better I'll become at it. Um, and yeah, I have the exact same mentality, but that same thing, uh, the first thing you mentioned, I just, I just keep myself to myself, um, in terms of, you know, broad scheme of things. I don't get myself involved in, um, you know, fucking friends issues or Facebook groups or fucking any drama, nothing like that. I keep my, I keep my life. I tried to keep my life nice and you know, close knit, um, and just, you know live an easy chilled life um but recently i'll be honest recently politics is you know really fucking start to piss me off um, oh yeah um you know the first one was 
And like, I, I don't get angry that often, but I got really, really angry um, when all this like George Floyd stuff and stuff and Black Lives Matter, you know, the, like, you know, everyone's got their own opinion on it, but I got really angry when everyone, everyone, every single person just jumped on the bandwagon. And I've never heard any of these people before ever doing any sort of activism, uh, activism, activism before you know they've never been you never they went and volunteered they've never went and protested they've never done anything but yeah. all of a sudden now this is the biggest um uh, epidemic facing the world i'm like where the fuck were you last month like you know but um that's my fucking take on all this sort of shit but um yeah it's it's a difficult time man not mm -hmm. more than americans running up to election year all sorts of going on yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, with all that stuff, it just goes back to the the other thing. It's like, you know, it doesn't affect the kids. doesn't affect me too much. doesn't affect the wife. I'm good with it. Yeah. And well, you that's the other way. What's up? Go for it. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. And the other is, is like, I just got two rules that I live by, and it's it's like, as long as my kids – are, are still proud of me and then my dad doesn't want to whoop my ass like ever, <laughs> ever since ever since i came up with that that's the like my decision making process like i stopped they're like all right my kids still gonna be proud of me yep all right good is my dad gonna whoop my ass for this nope all right we're good we can make this decision now yeah that's pretty sweet that's uh some good words to live by all right then so you got uh story time going on behind you it says hashtag story story time Helping prevent veteran suicide, um, and this is a, a non-profit organisation that you yourself and your wife have set up. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, do you just want to talk about that? What, like, what it is, like, how it came about? Um, yeah. So, all how it all started is my good buddy Austin that I mentioned earlier. He, me, and my wife were out turkey hunting, and I got this text message and it's like, Hey, story, story committed suicide last night. And cause we're turkey hunting. I just look at the text message real fast and I'm like, Oh man, you know, I, I didn't really read it. So I didn't read what it said and I just closed it and I waited. And then when I got done turkey hunting, I opened my phone back up and I'm like, Oh shit. And then like, I got home and I'm like, I'm like, what do, like, I was just thinking like, what, what can I do? You know? Cause I got two other buddies tattooed on my, on my forearm that passed away. And it's like, you know, like I have no room left on my forearm. Like I, the 22 pushups, like I tried doing that when, with, with my second buddy who passed away and you know what, that didn't stop anything. And I'm like, I, I just racked my brain, tried to wrap my head around it and what to do. And I came up, I came up with this and it's like, all right, story time. Like, because like as a veteran community, we've almost built like a wall around us. And because only we know what we're talking about to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something thinks funny, a civilian's not gonna think funny, you know? So they really don't really understand where we're coming from 95% of the time. And so we've almost built like a wall. And then with us, when you know, like the stuff we've seen and done and we don't wanna talk to anybody about it, and so I came up with the story time and it was a real simple prog real simple th theory. And it's just make sure, you know, on the 22nd of each month at 1800, you just call a buddy, man, just to, just to shoot the shit for it with them for a little bit, you know, and now keep that veteran community, it'll keep us close. 
and it it just gives you that outlet you know and that dude you can talk to that dude who was there you know and it just it hopefully you know it, it it's catching on pretty pretty well and got a lot of support from a lot of people and it's just um it's just like shit yeah. like it, it, it pans out awesome yeah, that's fucking very admirable. So where, where can people find you and where can people follow you? Uh, so, yeah, like it all started with just like me posting it on, on Facebook, just like the sticker I made. And now we have like a website where they can order from. And then um, we also have like Instagram and Facebook and it's all under, you can just search story time. It's all right underneath there. Like I've, I've had a couple of these actually. Uh, message me on the website from uh the rifles so it's pretty crazy i was like oh yeah i know yeah <laughs> i know you guys yeah it's crazy like how far it's reached like we're sending like we sent stickers out to like ireland um wells wellsy and then like hawaii all over the united states yeah man that's fucking awesome yeah <clears throat> so did you say the guy that you the that you got the text of was called story uh the the one that uh the one that uh, uh took his life that day his name his last name was story damn okay i didn't realize that until you yeah. said that and then i kind of kind of kind of brushed over that i was like i'm pretty sure you said the guy's name was story but um so hence the name story time i thought maybe it was literally just because it's you know a good time to like talk to each other and you know well that's yeah, that's what we kind of went with. It's like, because, you know, like story time, like what you're catching up with. And then also because of his last, like that was his last name. Yeah, man, that is a fucking great name. That is a great name. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, like, I mean, I never had, I never started this as a way to um talk about veteran suicide or anything. But uh, my second guest, second guest? Second or third guest, I think I had on. He suffered um, a blast injury, and he got a brain. You know, from that blast injury, he got um, was a shock injury or a blast injury. I can't really remember. But anyway, he got a shit ton of inflammation on his brain, and he was um, he got to the point where it was like he was, his life was so shit that he was about to commit suicide, um, and then it was really only at that point there where I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like this could be like a, this, this could end up being like an outlet for people who want to come on and share their stories and, you know, share, mm -hmm. share their uh, experiences with people who have maybe committed suicide or who may have committed suicide at the time, uh, who may have thought about committing suicide or, you know, whatever. I've, uh, I've never had any, major mental health issues like i've you know everyone's had their peaks and throat uh peaks yeah. throughout their life but like i've never had anything like that but i've, I've definitely had friends commit commit suicide um it's such a fucking tough subject man because i had this absolute stud of a guy who was one of my soldiers uh when he first came to the town i was i was a search commander and then i eventually managed to get him into the recce platoon and he was a fucking stud of a guy, a big South African guy. His name's uh, Joe Bosman, rest in peace, Joe. Um, but, bro, I got a text the same as you. And at first, I just like, I was like, oh, fucking getting texts all the time, messages all the time. You don't really pay attention. Mm -hmm. 
and like I got a text and I'm like like I kind of like had to double take and read it I'm like, yeah. I'm like what the fuck I think I maybe even just seen it on Instagram first it's like oh, rest in peace Joe or something I'm like what the fuck is going on so I started texting my buddies and it's like yeah Joe's fucking Joe's taking his life and like I've never felt pain like in my life like in terms of um, you know loss yeah dude it's in, it's insane man like with with story, it made I lost more buddies to suicide than I did through three deployments, and it's just like shit, man. Like enough's enough. And actually, like well, this weekend, it'll make two years. I was in a I was in a hospital for behavioral health for a week, man, because we got back from that last deployment, and then like I just didn't know what to do anymore, and I started boozing a lot. And I was just like, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to end this because I kept it all, everything inside, you know, like a lot of dudes do because we're like, oh, you know, we're supposed to be like barrel chested freedom fighters, you know, don't, you know, there's no, there, you know, cause like that's what a lot of dudes think. And I remember I got home, my buddy, Matt, the one that I mentioned at the beginning, he comes in my room and he comes, he came in the house and he's like, he's like, Chris, you're going to the hospital, man. There's no if, ands or buts. And then they took me to the hospital, like regular, like emergency room. And then uh, Brian came in, my platoon sergeant at the time, and he's like, hey, you know, the doctor just talked to us. The doctor talked to you. We're going to send you to this behavioral health clinic for a week. And I'm like, and I'm like, Brian, man, don't do this to me. Like, they don't let, they, 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 they throw away the key on dudes like us. They're never going to let me fucking out. Like, my career is going to go downhill. You know, everything will be over for me. And he's like, just, just, just bear with me, Chris, just go. And I remember that doctor came in and the doctor's like, well, if you don't want to go, we're going to bring in the MPs. And I'm like, I'm like, well, let's fucking do this. Bring that whole fucking battalion in here. And <laughs> Brian, Brian leaves. He comes back and he's like, he's like, what did, what did you say to that doctor? And I'm like, she said she's going to get MPs to come and take me out and take me to the hospital. And I told her to go get the whole fucking battalion. And he's like, yeah, there's like, there's like 15 MPs fucking waiting outside asking if they want to tase you or not. Fuck it's like Chris you gotta fucking go and you know I went I played ball for that week and you know I get really it, it made a huge difference Seriously? you know yeah just being like humble like my career didn't get fucked up at all like because I thought I was gonna go there and everybody was gonna be like oh Chris is fucking nuts man we can't trust him with a rifle anymore I was on a live fire range like two weeks after I got back like they're like thrown back in He'll be fine. And that's exactly what I did is just like, yeah, like, you know, your brothers and shit, they'll talk shit. Like the first day I got back, one of my buddies is like, oh, Chris, you got your shoelaces. They didn't take them away from you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like these motherfuckers. But, um, you know, and then I, everything went right back to normal, but I was in a better state of mind, you know, and it, it, it really, it really helped and it didn't affect my career at all. It didn't like, and it just got better from there. And I'm like, man, only if only if a lot of other people could see this, see how it works, like in real life, you know, not just what their their preconceived notions of it is. And like, that's why. And then with the whole story time thing, like Matt and Brian, they were two big dude, two big factors in it that how I came up with it. Because if I didn't have them to talk to, like, I don't know what I, what I'd be doing right now. You know, maybe probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those two. So. Yeah. Dude, that's insane, man. Like, um, because, I mean, I don't have much experience about people who are going through mental health issues while serving. 
And the main reason is because, like, for us, like, we know it's just a fucking career ender. Like, if you raise your if you raise your hand and say, like, I'm I've got fucking you know PT, like I'm struggling with shit, like you're like six month minimum, like you're yeah, yeah you're like your weapons, you know, like, and it sounds so fucking trivial, but like they take like if you get put on a sick uh, a sick chit and they say that you're not allowed to do weapon handling for six months. And your job is to fucking hold weapons. Like, that does nothing for anyone. Like, you're taking away that guy's purpose. And he's mm-hmm. got nothing else, really, other than doing that job. Even, like, you, you, you won't even be able to do training on weapons. You won't be able to yeah. do guarding on fucking weapons. You won't be able to go into live fire range. You won't be able to do anything with live fire weapons. You're not going to be able to even clean weapons because you're on the fu- this fucking this, uh, mental health order. Um, yeah sickness or whatever and like that's that's our problem that's our big problem and because of that guys will not raise their head uh and and that in turn leads to people just saying look fuck it i, I would rather just take my life than have to go through all that shit that embarrassment yeah. that long-term degradation of my career like i'm not doing that um i mean i don't like the guy who my mate who took his life he never deployed um, on combat ops, so I don't, you know, it's de- I can't say it's definitely not PTSD that, that he killed him, but um, there was definitely depression there. Um, mm-hmm. Had he went to the doctor about depression, they would have took his weapon off him as well. Um, so that's a problem as well. It's not necessarily just PTSD, it's depression, it's all sorts of mental health issues that are going on. Uh, and males who are uh, middle-aged males, you know, young males 20 to, to, to 30 they're they're most at risk 20 to 40 they're most at risk of this of suicide and then if you add on to that that you're taking away the, the person's livelihood and meaning then you're not helping you're not helping that person like you said that you're back in there in a week week's time you'd spoke about it you'd fucking got all your shit off your chest the guys were ripping you again straight away you know like that's that's what you want you want people to fucking take the piss out of you to welcome you back in like if you'd have been went back and people were like, you know, babying you and you know, yeah, the opposite effect that you want to. That's a complete opposite response that you want to receive from your your soldiers and your your mates, sort of thing. Yeah, like the thing we have in 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 our army is that it's like a stigma wrapped around it. Like because you'll get people, man. Like you'll yell at them. Like just being in the army, you know, like they'll get in trouble, or you know, they might not want to go out to the field or something. And they'll be like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to hurt myself. And they'll use it as, like, an excuse to, like, get away and get a, not do stuff, you know? So it puts, like, a horrible, like, stigma on it. Like, oh, he's just trying to get out of stuff or, you know, this and that. And it's like – and guys don't want to be, like, uh, like grouped into that. They don't want to be recognized by that. Yeah. And then, like, that's what I did. I didn't want to be recognized by that. And I'm sure, like, a lot of other – like infantrymen didn't want to be in that same boat in that same boat and uh but sure shit like when i came back they're just like yep abuse is back let's fuck with them and then like yeah two weeks later like everything was pretty much back to normal and if if and i was actually better at that point because they got everything like squared away like all the wires uncrossed and stuff hell yeah Millie, like you've got this you at that time you're like great i've got the support behind me Mm-hmm. I've got this weight off my chest 
Um, I'm now back with my unit. I'm now doing my job. Like, fucking things are good. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that, that's what I was worried about. Exactly what you were saying. It's like you take the rifle away and you take, like, not so much, like, their livelihood, but, like, their identity almost in that sense. With that, it's because, like, you're known, like, I was known as a weapon squad leader. And it's like, shit, man. Like, if I can't be a weapon squad leader, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, that's what, like, defines you. That's what defines me. And that's what defines a lot of these dudes is that's all they know because we all come in at such a young age. You know, right when we're actually, you know, 18, you're supposed to be finding out what you are as an adult, you know. And most of us join at 18. So we pretty much, like, identify with, like, oh, infantrymen, barrel-chested freedom fighters. Like, that's what we are. Yeah, and another thing as well, like, just your position alone, can you imagine the amount of pressure on someone who does have a mental health issue as a squad leader or as a project? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the pressure of having to admit to someone that you're not a fucking god? Because that's what people, like, that's essentially what people are looking up to you to be. They're looking up to you to be this fucking absolute god of a warrior. Like, I'm following you into battle no matter Mm -hmm. what. Platoon sergeant is the fucking... You know, the, the meanest motherfucker in the platoon knows everything, absolute experience beyond belief. Like, you've got private soldiers looking up to this guy. Like, all of them. You've got mm-hmm. everyone in the whole platoon, even the platoon commander looking up to this platoon sergeant. Can you imagine that guy having to admit to himself that he's not good enough to do his job or even go and see a doctor and say, look, this is my problem knowing the fact that he's, that he's going to take, be taking his livelihood away from him, his platoon, essentially his career. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. There, needs yeah, that be, was... there needs to be a different way of, of, of uh, treat, like, uh, process of treating this in, in the UK especially, but it seems like you've got that pretty much squared away in the US from what you've just told me. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not too bad, but, yeah, like, I exactly know what you're talking about because Brian, my platoon, he asked me, he's like, what do, you, what do you mean tell your squad? Like, what should we tell them when you're gone? You know, and at first I was like, you know what, just tell them I had to go on emergency leave and I had to go home. I'm not going to be back for a week. And then, like, when we're waiting on the, the, the ambulance to come and pick me up, take me to the hospital, I was like, you know what, like, just, just tell them. Tell them exactly what happened. And that way, so they know, like, if I could do it, then they can do it if they have a an issue. You know? And I, I was like, yeah, just tell them exactly what happened. Tell them, like, I had a shitty day and shit went downhill quick. And next thing you know, I'm in the hospital. I guess you can tell them exactly that. And then come to find out, like, that was on a, that was on a Friday, I think I went in. And then that Tuesday, like, all the guys, like, my whole squad came to the hospital during, like, visiting hours. And, like, my whole platoon was real supportive. Like, it might sound stupid, but it was, you know, they, or it might sound stupid, they, like, Guys brought me some clothes from my house. You know, they brought me my toothbrush and they would bring me stuff. You know, they'd come and visit with me. And it's like, shit, like these guys, like you actually, like, as long as you, you treat it the right way, it works. You know, as long as you're not using it to like get out of shit, you know, you don't, you don't want to go to the field or something, you know, and you actually have an issue, like people will support you. And it wasn't like what the stereotype was at all. So. Hell yeah. <clears throat> like um like having your guys come around with you as well just it, it just makes you feel like you look it, it's that added level of i've done the right thing here you know if if you're at the hospital and you're like i fucking just told them you know you've essentially just 
pulled the pin on your life. That's what it must feel like at the time. And then for your bo- for your boys to walk, rock in and just give you that support, man, it must be fucking incredible. You're like, um, to have that, you know, support off of, off of everyone straight away. Um, how did you feel about that? Like, is, is that what, oh. what it was for you? Yeah. Yeah, like it's like that's because like my whole my whole thought process on it is like all you do in a squad is like you build like a little a platoon as you build a little family, you know, like the the commanders, the, the platoon commanders, the mom, the platoon sergeants, the dad, you know, and then like it just goes down from there, and that's essentially what we were what what we built, and like you really felt that when they, they all came in, and I'm like God. And then, like, you can really see, like, how much of an impact to you and how much they looked up to you for it when they, they come walking in. When you're, like, because how it was is, like, you're all sitting there and then 1430 rolls around, which was, like, visiting hours. And then, like, I wasn't expecting anything. And it's all of a sudden, oh, Chris, come to the visiting room. And I'm like, what? And I walk into the visiting room and here's, like, six dudes around a table. And I'm like, no fucking way. Because, it was, because they only would allow, like, one or two visitors. Yeah. But because like the whole squad came in, they're like, all right, fuck it. Like you guys can all come in. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. You build a bond, man. And especially in an infantry fucking unit, you build a bond with guys that are, and it sounds fucking crazy to even, even state, but you build a bond closer than family, I think. Oh yeah. Hands down. Like closer than mom, fucking wife. Like you build a bond. Like if you're on, if you're on a deployment with someone, you know, and you're sharing a, a bed area with that person, you know every facet of that person's life. You know if they're in debt, you know if their wife is fucking annoying, you know if they have cheated on their wife, you know how much they hate the army, you know how much they, what their, you know, their ambitions for when they get back, you know every single little thing about them. Um, but yeah, like to have those people then come and support you, it must have been incredible, man. Um, yeah, I was real. I'm glad, it, I'm glad that it turned out that way because I would like to think it would turn out that way in the UK if we we had a similar setup. But like I said, we don't. Like once you, dude, once you fucking, once you put your hand up and say, "Look, I've got a mental health problem," that's it. Like there's a there's a place that you go to get assessed, and it's called DCM DCMH. Uh, I think it's DCMH. I don't, have, I, don't, I don't know what it stands for. It's Defense Care of Mental Health, something like that. I don't really know. But mm-hmm. like as soon as that DCMH is mentioned with your name, mate, that's it. Fucking, fucking forget it. Like uh, that will stay with you for the rest of your career. It happens with everyone. It happens with people who, like for me, I got, I, I got caught uh, drink driving. And from then, like I'm now tarnished with being the guy who caught, caught drink driving. And it happens with people who have, you know, um, you know, just done done random things like that they shouldn't have done, but they done anyway. You would think that yeah. they would support them, and you know, right? You made a mistake. You're fucking. You're you're sorry for what you've done. Like it shouldn't have happened. But that that's not the case. Like you're you're now the guy who done that, or you're now the guy who's this. Or we had the t- in my unit. We had this guy, and uh, he just confirmed that he's going to come on the podcast uh, next month. He won an, an MC in in, uh, in Afghanistan for his fucking service, and he was the top guy. He's a fucking um, like in the in the unit, top guy, amazing operator, 
and he was getting forced, uh, he was getting ordered to do shit that was fucking ridiculous. Like, just terrible shit. Not bad, mm-hmm. but just like poor training, just fucking weak command. He was getting ordered to do all this shit. And he's like, look, I'm not fucking doing it. I'm not fucking doing it anymore. And then the hierarchy were like, right, if you're not fucking doing it, you like, we're not promoting you, you better leave. So he's like, right, I'm fucking out of here then. And then that for me was like the moment the the the, um, the battalion lost all its credibility. You know, it was like, like I said earlier on, it was like, it was at its peak when I joined and it was kind of like wavering down a little bit. And then from there, mm-hmm. I, I just seen it take a massive downturn, you know, and, and how they were looking after people. And like, if you've got your top guy, your top bloke in your whole unit saying, look, what you're doing is fucking bullshit. Then maybe you should fucking listen to that guy. Top enlisted guy. Yeah. You should probably fucking listen to that guy. But they didn't. They, you know, they thought they knew better and the guy fucking pulled the pin on it and now he's a very successful fireman. But um, this, guy's a, this guy's like, Jesus Christ, he's an absolute legend in the unit. Um, legend in the army as well. Like, fucking crazy. But, um, yeah, like, bringing it all back into this mental health here, um aspect like <clears throat> the podcast started as just you know having given the guys an opportunity to express themselves and come on and just have a fucking shit uh, uh come on and chat shit for fucking a couple hours but then um i definitely feel that there's value in having people open up on a deeper level rather than just telling stories um and like but as soon as I seen you doing your story time thing, I was like, oh, this is fucking very admirable. Like, I, like before you even reached out, I was like, this would be a fucking sort of person I want to have on and I want to um, let them, you know, ex- express themselves and tell their story and, you know, spread the word about what uh, hashtag story time is. But what would you have to say to people who are listening right now and who are, who are uh, maybe dealing with some sort of mental health issue or who who want to try and do something to help someone, like what, what can you do? Uh, so for like the people that are having like a mental health issue, like from that standpoint, just, just keep pushing. Cause there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. You know, like I met, I met my wife and she's, she's amazing. You know, we go to the gym and together and stuff and it, it does, it might not feel like it gets better, but like suicide, it's it's a long term answer, or so it's a it's a long term solution for a short term problem. You know, like it it uh it's it's it's, it's never really like worth it, and you just gotta find something to occupy your time with. Cause like as you know, infantrymen, like a lot of the dudes like drink to excess. You know, that's drinking. It might be fun, but it's not like it's not a hobby. You know, go go act. You know, use your time. A little bit better and it'll get better and then um for the people that that you don't want to want to make a difference you just sit down and brainstorm like the whole 22 push-up thing like yeah it was it was a cool idea you know at the beginning and to bring awareness to it but why are we gonna do something we're good at like 22 push-ups that's it for a day we should be expected to do that. You know what I mean? Like, why would we do something we're good at and that's easy to combat something that's hard, you know, and not easy to talk about? Like, it doesn't make sense. So just think out, think outside the box. 
you know, like, all right, suicide's a hard issue to deal with. What's another hard issue that, that will help overcome that? You know, just talking to your buddies and staying, staying connected, you know, and, and not like downward thinking so much, you know, like, oh, if, if I say I'm crazy, I'm losing my job, I'm losing my career. No, man. Like, if anything, you'll get more respect out of it. Yeah. You know, because dudes would be like, you know what? This guy, he he wasn't trying to play the system. He had an issue. He got it fixed. And boom, now he's back and now he's better. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you raised some good points there. Um, playing the system, like, Jesus Christ, that shit fucking gets to me so hard. Um, especially with mental health and especially because it is such a, you know, an extreme problem. Like it very, it is a, an extreme problem, and not just vil- not just veterans or military members, but just young males in general. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why it fucking happens. I don't know why, why it, why it's such a fucking epidemic, but it is. It's fucking, you know, it's a massive problem right now. Um, you know, I don't have the answers, but what I, what I do have the answer to is what you, what you you're talking you're talking reaching out you're talking contact someone maybe your best mate maybe someone you don't know and it's as simple as what it's as simple as saying how are you doing or what you've been up yeah. to or um not spoke to you for a while like uh let's me offer a pain or fucking anything like that you know just making people yeah. feel like they're fucking wanted that's mm-hmm. an awesome thing I think you're doing, and I really, I really want to commend you for doing that and sticking your, sticking your neck out there, and being open and honest and fucking telling your own personal story as well. Because I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know that you, you'd, you'd um, went down that path yourself. So yeah, like that's the crazy thing. Like people look at me and they'll be like, "Man, like really? Like you had that issue, you know, or you know, shit like that." It's like, yeah, man. Like it can doesn't matter if you could be the baddest motherfucker out there and you know, something one day can just hit you the wrong way. Like after one deployment, like just from feeling like wet clothes out of the, out of the washer, just from like, um, like picking up body parts and stuff. Like I couldn't take, I couldn't take clothes out of the washer cause it felt the same. You know what I mean? Like that warm water and then the clothes feeling like it just, every, you know, that little thing would set people off or set me off and, you know, just being straight up forward and honest with it. And then people are just shocked by it. Like, oh, you have issues? Like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking human. You know, that's like what you were kind of saying. is like, you know, you're, you're a squad leader or a platoon sergeant. They look at, you know, it's like, it's like your kids again. You know, they're looking up to you like, oh, dad, <laughs> my squad leader is the strongest guy in the world, you know? And uh, it's, the, it's, you know, and they think that nothing can touch us. And then we start believing that as squad leaders and platoon sergeants and then when something does happen that hits us that's when the whole like behavioral health comes in and that's when we have to again still set the example and show that those guys are like yeah man i had an issue if you have one do this yeah. you know <clears throat> how much support have you got from civilian community or just in terms of starting your nonprofit? because i know it's not been oh. for a whole long uh, period of time yeah like i think so we really took off with this about like maybe like two or three weeks ago and we got um because my wife and i we both we're both into like crossfit and stuff so uh 
we reached out some, to some different companies and uh, bands, they make like the headbands for CrossFitters, you know, and like also some dudes wear them underneath their helmets so don't pull their hair and stuff. So uh, we reached out to those guys and they're already helping us brand. Um, they're also, they're doing a thing where they made headbands with the hashtag story time on it to, uh, and then some of the proceeds are going to us. Um, we, we, we've had like, dude, I can't even tell you how many like people from uh, other, like around the world have just reached out and they've been like, Hey, you know, I had a mate, like he took his own life and he, uh, and you know, I think what you're doing is an ingenious idea. I got an email yesterday, this dude that got a sticker and he put it on his car and this old couple just like stopped and asked him about it. And he told them like the whole theory behind it. And they're like, wow, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, just a simple solution to such a huge problem, you know? And, um, it's just been, it's been so cool. Like the amount of support, man, that it all started with just like a little sticker machine that I bought at Walmart. Like that's all it started with. Seriously. Yeah. Like, so yeah, swear to God. So <laughs> I like, I do a bunch of like, when I get bored, you know, the, the idle hands are the devil's playground. Right. So when yeah. I get bored, like I'll just, I'll build stuff and like woodworking. And <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to get a sticker machine and like me and my wife were at Walmart and I'm like, honey, please. Can I get the sticker machine? You know, because I've been debating it, and I don't like spending a lot of money. And she's like, "Yeah, you know, go ahead and buy it." And like, so I buy the sticker machine. I get home, and I set it up on the computer, and I'm like, "All right, awesome, got this cool sticker machine. What am I gonna make?" I didn't, I didn't know what to make. Yeah. And then I'm like, "I know what to make." And then I typed. It's just like I typed into the keyboard hashtag story time, and then help prevent, you know, veteran suicide, and. I put it on Facebook. I'm like, hey, you know, because I got a bunch of buddies that are uh, were deployed with me in story. And they're like, dude, that's awesome. I'm like, hey, send me a sticker. And then send one. I think the first day, I, like less than like an hour after I posted it on Facebook, I had like six people hit me up. And then now I think we've sent out more, at least like 500 stickers, maybe a thousand, like just to different people. Yeah, it's been it's been insane and it went so fast and now we're doing you know, we we we've raised enough money to where we can start planning like different events. Um and then like branching off of that, like we wanna do um like basically our overall like so we have like this, which is just talking to your buddies, you yeah. know, and then eventually we wanna raise money to where we can um we can take dudes to like on like on fishing trips or we can run um, different like CrossFit or weightlifting competitions, you know, just to show the veteran community that like, there's, there's more to life. You know, you don't have to identify yourself with an infantryman after you're out. You know, there's more to life. You can do, uh, you can be a weightlifter. You can, you know, you can go fishing, you know, and then with that, and then also just to like spread the awareness. And it's just been like a wild, wild ride, man. It's really cool. That's fucking awesome in such a short period of time as well that you've got that much support. What's the brand that's yeah. the headbands? Is it Junk? Um, the what? Is it is a brand called Junk? No, no, no. It's called Bands. Bands? Yeah. Right, okay. That's that's pretty awesome. And uh, so they're doing like under helmet stuff and, you know, just headbands essentially. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, We're yeah and then like... There. Yesterday, me and my wife, we finalized the, the design for like t-shirts we ordered and 
for uh, like like the, the little morale patches and stuff. Yeah. And we we just we finalize those, and it's just like one thing after another. It's like, oh, let's do this. All right, let's yeah. do it. You know, just to get the word out there because. <laughs> Like what I want to stay away from is like basically what happened with the whole like 22 a day, you know what I mean? Like it went from like an actual issue to more like a fad, you know what I mean? Hell yeah, I know all about it. Me and Wells just spoke about that uh, on the last one. Um, and like we've got this, we've got a thing in the UK where we're clamping, clapping for our uh, healthcare workers on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that I was like, yeah, that's that's admirable, but. If you're not doing the other stuff that actually affects change, then that's completely pointless. Like, it, like, and that translates into your issue. If you're just doing 22 press-ups to post on Instagram and say that you're doing that, but you're not actually donating money or you're not actually volunteering, that's completely pointless. You yeah. know, having a percent, you know, a fucking, you know, percentile it's, fucking effect on the problem. Yeah, to like an extent, it's almost like a placebo, you know. Oh, I, I clapped or I did twenty-two push-ups. That you know what? I'm I did my good deed. I'm getting into heaven today. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's and so we kind of want to stay away from like all that stuff, and it's just like like basically like how I am like straight and to the point. It's real simple. Yeah. Just make you know it doesn't have to be on the twenty-second. Like the reason we're doing the stickers and the patches and you know eventually like t-shirts, shaker bottles, like all this other stuff is to be reminders you know what i mean because that's what happens like so i've had so many buddies commit suicide over the last 11 years that it's like you know it hits you and then it's like man this sucks you know what i mean you feel down and then you almost forget like what that feeling was like you know what i mean when you found out and yeah. then it happens again it happens to another buddy and then you feel it again and then that's what basically what was happening to me and then when i realized my, my arm was full. I had nowhere to put a buddy. I'm like, all right, this is where, you know, this is, this is my Alamo position. This is where I fucking stand my ground. This is when, yeah, yeah. this is where like, you have to make a difference. And it's not going to be with 22 pushups. It's going to be with like maintaining that connection, that family, those guys that came to my hospital room, you know, yeah. like making sure you call those dudes. And, you know, like I said, it's gotten like a massive amount of support. And then my wife has been a huge support. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, yeah. Like, if I didn't have that little shit, that little pain in the ass, like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I definitely wouldn't be here. Like, she's, she's like, here I'm coming up. Like, there's this, there's this cartoon. It was called, it's called Turbo. And, like, the brother always comes up with all these crazy-ass ideas, right? And then the older brother's, like, you know, the, the voice of reason. You know, and that's basically, like, how me and my wife are, like, she uh like i'll come up with the crazy ass ideas and then she's just sitting here trying to figure out how to make it work and like like the uh the paperwork to be a, a non-profit and all that she's stuff just, she's just pushing you in the right direction like whoa, whoa get away from there go that direction <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much yeah she just guided me like oh christopher over here now yeah yeah <laughs> like a mom <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah hey um i've got a couple of couple of um suggestions one would be to reach out to the Garrison East Foundation. Um, he has done a fucking insane amount for veterans post-war um, and, you know, for families and stuff, post, um, you know, like uh, post-loss of life and stuff. I would say that you should probably go and listen to the Jocko podcast uh, in the past couple of months with Garrison East. Um, Jocko Willink, do you know that podcast? I know. I'll have to look it up. 
Okay, I'll, I'll send you the link to that, but Jocko Willink is a, an ex-Navy SEAL, sort of fucking high-level dude, and he has got podcasts where he, he does something kind of similar to me, but he's he's very intense, and he goes through, like, military strategy, and he gets military guests on, and he does it in an extremely professional way, which is uh, kind of it's kind of above me. It's not really what I'm after. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he got Garrison Issa, and this podcast is four hours long, so it's a long old slog, but... If you skip to the end of it for like the last hour, Gary Sinise, he's, uh, he's Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Yeah. That's how that guy is, Gary Sinise. But um, he's done an insane amount for fucking uh, veterans and injured veterans especially. So maybe that may be a, an option to reach out to that foundation in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, also in the UK, um, I know that the rifles have had a very, very bad uh, time period since uh, um, Afghanistan with suicide i'm not exactly sure of what battalion um but one of the battalions has been hit extremely hard i think it was a battalion that was uh based in sangin in 2000 and 2009 10 sorry area and they took an extreme amount of casualties so i know you've obviously got right uh contacts in two rifles but maybe if you get in touch with them find out what battalion it is that i'm talking about and then try and get them to get your contact in there you know, that's going to be phenomenal for guys who are still suffering post-tour um, to have, you know, a, a, a mental tick like hashtag story mm-hmm. time. And even if it's, you know, they see your you, they see your daily post or whatever on Instagram and think, oh, shit, yeah, let me just contact this guy. Let me just phone this guy and see how he's doing. You know, that's going to make a massive change. And just to round it all off, like, if you save one life, one, you are you're a fucking you've done an incredible job yeah that's that's what i keep saying yeah it's not like and already i guarantee you there's been people reaching out and people talking and people doing all sorts of stuff that you you'll never hear about but you know it's having a massive effect so what i want to say to you is just keep fucking hammering brother um doing what you're doing but it's been it's it's fucking a phenomenal thing you're doing thanks yeah Um, right, well, that's been fucking a great couple of hours at least. At, well, what time yeah. yeah, about two and a half hours or something just under. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, oh, yeah, you too. You can find Chris at, um, on Instagram, Facebook, and anywhere else? Uh, well, then, yeah, we have our website. Right, okay, what's the website? Uh, just uh, www.storytimeproject.com storytimeproject.com awesome so you've got instagram web uh, facebook and your website um and yeah just if you if you're interested in buying any shit all the money where's the money going to chris like what sort of things is it um so we do we, we do a bunch of cool like we we got the different organization or different like um like events that we got scheduled uh on the 15th and 16th of august we're gonna go to this uh it's called survival games and it's a crossfit competition so we're going to go there and kind of, we, they, they donated a, a booth area. So we're going to go there and pretty much preach, preach the gospel and, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, but some of the other like more like uh, ideas, not ideas, but programs we got like that means something to me is um, some of the guys that, that have already like, you know, that took their own lives. Like what we want to start doing is on like mother's day, like send their moms flowers. Cause they're, they, you know, like, Cause that's like stories, mom. She, we sent her stickers. 
And like at the bottom, like I signed it, I'm like, you know, from, from Story's brother, the one you didn't give birth to, thanks for, uh, thanks for giving birth to a legend, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to be able to do stuff like that, like, because when they're gone, like, they're, they're in the same predicament everybody else is in, you know, like, shit, like, what do I do? What, what am I supposed to do now? You know, so we want to, we want to still support them because they're still part of our army family, you know? Of course, yeah. So that's where, that's, that's one of the projects we have going. And then, um, you know, I want to also be able to get, and then also start setting up stuff where guys can just like, um, uh, call in, you know what I mean? Or like, just if they need somebody to talk to that, that's been in their shoes, you know, like an infantryman, behavioral health, been through a divorce, two of them, you know what I mean? You know, miss their, misses their kids and stuff like that. You know, like there's not a scenario out there that I pretty much haven't hit. Yeah. You know, be able to start open that up and be like, hey, man, you know, just if you need if you need to get some shit off your chest, just bring it, brother, because I'd rather have you just lay that shit on me than have to go to another funeral or have to listen or have to see like another mom that's like bawling her eyes out. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. And um, so we're going to wrap it up here real quick. Um, but what I would say is if you're listening and you do have any sort of issues whatsoever, you can contact me via DM on Instagram at lead wasps um, and you can contact Chris on Storytime and we're fucking uh, I'm personally more than happy to re- reply DM and if you want to fucking even give me a call you can give me a call um, we can sort that out and I'm pretty sure that you're the exact same Chris yeah oh yeah the exact yeah, same so, Chris thank you very much um, for oh, taking thank the you, man. to talk to me today uh, everything you're doing with uh, hashtag Storytime is very admirable and I'm glad that I got the opportunity to allow you to express yourself and the good work that you're doing within the military community. All right. Thanks, man. All right, man. Take care. Thanks very much.